The following podcast contains explicit language and movie spoilers. You've been warned. No, seriously, there's spoilers in, in foul language. Yeah. Welcome to Earth. No, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Welcome to $20 Ticket, where we tell you how much we would pay to watch Independence Day. My name is Kerwin, and joining me today is Jason. What up, Jason? Not much. How about you, Kerwin? I'm good, man. What are you drinking? Just an ice cold Coors Light today. Also with us is Mugga. What up, Muggs? What's going on? What are you drinking? Got some wine. All right. Uh, also with us is Bling. What's up, Bling? What's going on, Kerwin? Uh, what are you drinking? I am drinking a Barks Root Beer. All right. And rounded out the panel today is Dominic. What up, Dominic? What up, Kerwin? What are you drinking today? Dos Equis. It's right. Dominic's birthday. Happy birthday, bud. Happy birthday, Happy Dominic. Birthday. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. Feel young again. So today's your independent day? <laughs> it's actually tomorrow. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, we are talking about Independence Day, like Mugga said. Um, released July 3rd, 1996. Uh, it's produced by Centropolis Entertainment and distributed by 20th Century Fox. Stars Will Smith, Jeff Goldblum, Bill Pullman, Mary McDonald, Vivica A. Fox, Judd Hirsch, uh, Margaret Collin, Randy Quaid, Robert Loggia, James Redburn, and Harvey Fierstein. Uh, it's directed by Roland Emmerich and uh, written by Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin. Uh, so before we get into behind the scenes, Mugga uh, hit us with the financials. So it's it's safe to say that this movie was a financial success. Um, it only had a budget of $75 million. I do think that's still uh, high in 1996. I think we talked about True Lies being the first movie to ever have a budget over 100, right? So it's, it's, it's rather large, but it literally brought in $817 million worldwide, 306 domestic, uh, 511 international. Um, going to the day that it was out, now we had talked about this earlier in a podcast. In 1996, movie theaters weren't as big as they were. They weren't, what I'm getting, and I looked at two websites, four movies that were in theater including Independence Day that time. Four major movies. The least one is The Cable Guy, yeah, which was in, but here's two, Mission Impossible, the first one, and The Rock. What? Yeah. Yeah, in the theaters with Independence Day. So it had competition, if you ask me. I mean, it was like, um, but it came in at number one, um, a little over 11 million for the uh, opening weekend, uh, coming in at number one. Uh, One thing that I wanted to bring up, and I I wanna like kind of fact check this and see if you guys know, it was one of the first big blockbuster movies to ever put an ad in the Super Bowl that year of 1996. Is that true? It cost him $1.3 million to put an ad in that Super Bowl. So That's I thought insane. that was crazy. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, a very successful, uh, successful movie. If you take out what it cost to make and uh, how much it made worldwide, you're looking at $740 million. So very, very financially um, successful. I did not get into the sequels finances yet because I think we are going to review that. So I'm just going to wait. Still haven't seen that movie, by the way. Yeah, I think think at the time it was like... uh the second highest grossing film like of all time, like after Jurassic Park 1, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah, so Jurassic Park was the first and this was the second. It is, I think it's also cool that it came out July 2nd, just like when the movie yeah. starts. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's kind of weird too, something else I saw about the release date is that it was released the same day as Phenomenon with John Travolta, mm-hmm. but it also had Brent Spiner, so. I want to say that The Nutty Professor also came out right around the same time as that film too, which was, I mean, it was, wasn't like top billing or amazing film, but it was like, Eddie Murphy doing movies. Yeah, no, it was Eddie Murphy back then. (laughs) I I have a hard time believing that there was only four movies in theater, but again, this is pre-2000. I don't know how much 
data they have if they were recording. I mean, now you look at what's in theaters in 2010 and there's like 20 films sometimes. I think, you, know, I think so. you also have to bring up the point. I think we, we talked about this too. Like back then, I remember theaters not being big. Like mm-hmm. maybe you had like six screens, if that. Yeah. Um, Me growing up, it was only two screens in the theater at my at, in my town, but now they have two movie theaters that have yeah. 14 plus. Yeah. So. I mean, just our area alone has like a shit ton of theaters. Like yeah. we're, we're not even, like we're, we're just outside of LA, yeah. Orange County, all that other shit, but it's just like, we literally have a mall where there's two theaters in the same parking lot. And then it's a five minute drive up the street to another mall that has another movie theater. Like that's how many theaters we have in our area. But, but yeah, those are the finances, but very, very financial success. If you, if you would look at the numbers. Jason, what did the people think of this movie? So according to Rotten Tomatoes, the critics, 65% of them liked it uh, with an average rating of 6.4 out of 10. Only about 71 ratings, 46 fresh, 25 rotten. The audience gave it, um, so 75% of them gave it a 3.5 or higher with an average rating of 3.78 out of 5. Close to a million ratings from the audience. So sometimes you see movies and there's only like a couple thousand from the audience. This one always has, almost has a million. So mm. it's pretty cool. Um, I looked at Resurgence too, just to look. Uh, critics gave it a 29% and the audience gave it a 30. So... Uh, this one did much, much better. Has anyone seen Resurgence in this movie? I, I, in this, no. In this, in this? no, I haven't. I, haven't. I want to now, just because yeah. I have to, but yeah. yeah. I mean, when I saw the, the, the trailers and there's no Will Smith, I was like, I, yeah, I, once, I think once they made an announcement, like, okay, it's like one of those sequels that doesn't have But Jeff active. Goldblum's in it, so. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum, yeah, Bill, Bill Pullman Bill, is in yeah. So they brought back some people, but. I did hear we, that we don't do see, a we don't, reference we, of Will Smith we, in yeah. the movie. Yeah, they have like his photo and they talk about him, yeah. I, I, but that's all I know. Yeah, but they I just mean, say they just say, "Oh, he died yeah. somewhere between then and yeah, now." He did, I think yeah. they actually show what happened. But I mean, it's this is a Will Smith film, so if you don't have Will Smith in the sequel, it's like okay, it's like seeing a Dumb and Dumber, <laughs> but you don't have the the main actor. Yeah, I thought they did make a sequel and it wasn't Jeff Bridges and. Yeah, that was, yeah was, that's uh, what I'm saying. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, like you, yeah. you come out and with a sequel. Horrible, that, yeah, horrible. yeah, yeah. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was the prequel. When, yeah. yeah, it was like when Harry met Lloyd or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, it was like there was Dumb and Dumber and then there was Dumb and Dumber 2 with 1 0. <sighs> I only ever watched the prequel. I couldn't, well, I tried it and I turned it off. Yeah. yeah. And then just to round up, uh, IMDb had it a 7.0 out of 10. Uh, so right in the middle with over 515,000 votes. I looked at the demos again and within a couple tenths. I mean, there wasn't anything that really stood out to me, but uh, yeah. Do ratings. you agree with these scores? So I don't want to get into my experience, but I feel like when I watched this when I was younger, I really liked it. Okay. I think I still enjoy it. I do see some flaws now just because CGI has gotten much better. There's some of the acting that's that's okay in it. I like that it like really jump-started Will Smith's career. Like he just was doing Fresh Prince. And he got to do this and it you know really pushed him up. Like there's some things I take away from that I think are cool. I, I think I agree with this. Do you guys not? Uh, I'm, I'm a little that. lower, but I'm right around there. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I would say I'm in that area. I, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm in that area. Cause 75, I'm probably more critics. I'm probably more 65, honestly, uh, if I had to pick one of the two. Hmm. But I don't think it's too far off. Um, but there are some things that I don't like. Yeah. yeah. So, But we'll wait till Trash or Treasure for that. All right. Let's get into behind the scenes uh, and talk about the creators and the development of this movie. Uh, So Independence Day was written by Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin, uh, with Emmerich serving as the director and Devlin acting as the second unit director. Uh, Other movies they've collaborated on are Universal Soldier, Godzilla, The Patriot, Independence Day Resurgence, and Stargate. 
Uh, so one thing I didn't know uh, that these guys are the actual creators of Stargate and that movie came out in 1994 um, and that movie blew up to be a pretty successful sci-fi franchise that includes four movies, three television series, a web series and an animated series. So I had no idea that the same guys created that. According to Entertainment Weekly, the idea for Independence Day actually came up while Emmerich and Devlin were doing the press tour for Stargate in 1994. Uh, apparently, a reporter asked him, um, Roland Emmerich, if he believed in aliens. And, you know, Emmerich doesn't. He doesn't believe in aliens. But um, during that conversation, he went on to talk about how weird it would be if you woke up one morning and there were just big ass spaceships hovering over like every city on Earth. And then he turns to Devlin, I guess, who's there, and he says, I think we got our next movie. So, I mean, he just came up with that on the spot, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but before we kind of get into um, how they crafted the the movie and all that stuff, um, I just want to point out one thing. Um, like this movie got greenlit very, very quickly, like super quick. I think within less than two months of them having that interview, and I think that has a lot to do with uh, the success of Stargate. Like nobody thought Stargate was going to be that successful, and because it was, they pretty much had a lot of freedom when it came to making their movie. Um, so days after the press junket interview, they were working on the Independence Day script, and they finished it in a month. So yeah. they were on vacation in Mexico, and they just went ahead and wrote the script in a month. Um, they sent the script out to studios uh, to look at on a Thursday and the next night, Friday night, 20th Century Fox won the movie rights and these guys got paid seven and a half million plus a percentage of the profits. And then they started pre-production the following Monday. So like less than two months, they already had their movie ready to get made. That's I, rare. I, right? I, and then uh, Emmerich says that uh, he and Devlin are fans of disaster films. And he said he wanted to add like the disaster element to their alien invasion film because typically in a lot of alien invasion movies, it's just kind of like, oh, they're here and they're hiding among us. And Zip zap, boobity bap, yeah. you know, something that, you know, Daryl told Mike on The Office. And then, <laughs> but they, they definitely wanted to add that kind of worldwide destruction element to the movie, um, which is funny because um, these guys made 2012 and The Day After Tomorrow. So they, oh, wow. they made both of those disaster movies. When they told their agent that they wanted to make Independence Day, their agent said, quote, you can't make this movie because Tim Burton is making Mars Attacks. Uh, another alien invasion movie that came out in the mid-90s, or actually the same year. So um, since Mars Attacks is largely a parody on the old-school alien invasion film, Emmerich and Devlin felt that if their movie came out after Mars Attacks, nobody would take Independence Day seriously. So they decided to push to get their movie made first. Um, ironically, though, uh, once Mars Attacks came out a few months later, I think it came out uh, towards the end of the year, a lot of people felt that it was a ripoff of Independence Day, and uh, it didn't do that well but at the box office. But it was though, right? Yeah, yeah, it was already, yeah. yeah it was already in production before Independence Day was. So, it's a little uh, bit more cheesier, too. Have yeah. you guys seen Mars Attacks? Yeah. yeah. I have not. I no, just, I have I saw the, like, the footage. I'm, I'm not watching that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, is it not good? It's not good. Yeah, it's, it's whatever. It's worth watching. <laughs> is kickboxing better? <laughs> no. <Yes>. No. <laughs> it's, it's not. And, uh, you know, we were talking about this uh, off mic in pre-production, but... Um, you know, the whole reason this movie even centers on Independence Day and has the name is because that was the release date they aimed for in order to beat Mars Attacks. So they figured that if they can get it out during the holiday in the summer, um, they could beat Mars Attacks to the movie theaters. And that was kind of their uh, their ideal date. And like I said, that's where the title also comes from. They chose the title in order to put pressure on the studio to bump it up to that specific release date. Because I believe the studio was uh, willing to do Memorial Day, but they said, no, 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 we got to do this in July. We got 
to do it for Independent Stage July 4th. Uh, Roland Emmerich says that uh, Dean Devlin said, quote, let's just call it Independence Day and then we might come up with something better later. But I guess Independence Day kind of stuck with them. Other titles that the studio wanted to use uh, were Invasion, Sky on Fire, and Doomsday. And uh, Bill Pullman actually thought that was a terrible title considering the stuff that happens in the movie. Like he felt the title was uh, way too pessimistic, you know, considering uh, like the, the more humanitarian and you know come together vibes Misleading, of the movie yeah, yeah it, it didn't fit like the overall narrative of the movie and then you know speaking of bill pullman you know he plays the president in this movie so you know that speech he gives right um that speech did not have today we celebrate our independence day in the script that was not in the script um they added it right before shooting in order to convince the studio to change the title to Independence Day. So they added that to the end of the speech and uh, studios typically get these things called dailies. So every couple days, maybe every day, maybe once a week, uh, studio execs get to see footage of what's being done and they made it a point to have this be one of the scenes they shot first or at least early on. So that way when they sent the daily over to the studio execs, they would see kind of how impactful that speech was and then they would say, holy shit, we gotta call this Independence Day. that's what happened uh, because 20th Century Fox actually didn't own the rights to the title Independence Day. Uh, Warner Brothers had the rights to the title. So for a long time, the movie was just called ID4. So remember back when we were like kids, all the uh, advertising posters would say ID4. Uh, It's because um, 20th Century Fox didn't own the rights to the title Independence Day, and they actually had to go buy the rights from Warner Brothers, who owned the rights at the time. So it wasn't until closer to the release date that they actually got the title Independence Day. Did did you actually go over why Warner Brothers had that title? What was the reason? Like, I don't, I never, I, I couldn't find that. I read that too, but. Yeah, I, I don't know why or how they own those rights to the title. That's weird. Like, it's not like a script. It's just a title. I don't. Yeah. I, don't. I mean, unless they had like another movie with that title, maybe. Yeah. I, that's the only thing I could think of, but I'm not sure. I didn't even know studios can own titles. I mean, something that kind movie of movie rights scripts I got, but a title of like a, movie, a title. Yeah. Not necessarily if it's like a, a unique phrase or name, I can understand that. But I mean, I don't think you could trademark or copyright Independence Day. I think it's. Yeah. Yeah, as a studio without a potential script, like yeah. I, if they had like a script and it was kind of like who in the who, vault, who, like I could understand. But who, it. who do you who do you get the rights from? You like, hey, U.S. government. No, they no they like like how do you get like? No, they paid Warner Brothers. Like, no, that's, but that's no, but how, how, how did Warner Brothers even have the, the rights to like who do they who owned the rights prior to Warner Brothers? I don't know, man. It's not like, it's I'm not just like a Marvel film where like Stan Lee owns you know the titles for names, but it's yeah. Maybe there was another film or script written that That's had that I'm title. Saying. Okay. Yeah. And so they maybe they had that earmarked, and they're like, well, we already have this title for this. We already paid for it, and okay. maybe that's that's the only thing I could think of because like everything I saw too is very vague. It just said they reached a deal with Warner Brothers for the rights to the title. I mean, that's when all. When did the Patriot I, come out? 1998. <laughs> it was like, all right, we gotta change it to the Patriot guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because this guy made the Patriot. Did he? Yeah, same team. Yeah, they made the Patriot, yeah. Um, And kind of on that note of Independence Day, we kind of talked about the themes and why they didn't want to go with like one of those more pessimistic titles. Uh, Roland Emmerich has been like very vocal about um, how he wanted this movie to showcase unity across cultures worldwide, which is why you have that huge international effort at the end and why he has such a diverse cast. Um, You know, uh, he and Devlin, they made it a point to focus on the good side of humanity, being able to put aside like their different and unite and then as far as uh, you know the antagonist the aliens 
they say that during the mid '90s, uh, Hollywood had kind of run out of ideas for bad guys. You know, all you had was like politically incorrect bad guys. You know, like Arab terrorists, Latin drug dealers, corrupt politicians, etc. He says that aliens are the best film villains since the Nazis because, like, objectively, they're just evil, yeah. and everybody can root against them. So that was that was definitely something they were happy with. Yeah, just something real quick about the script. So I guess like, you know, with Star Wars, how they did a uh, Blue Harvest to kind of keep it under wraps. They don't want people to know what the footage is or anything like that. So the working title for this, which is really odd to me, it was Dutch 2. <laughs> and I remember Dutch watching that movie as a kid with Ed O'Neill, you know, or Al Bundy. And I'm just like, D- Dutch 2? I just think it's so it's, it's such a, random. Yeah, because it, Dutch, is, for you guys that don't know what it is, it's a comedy. So this is on the other end of the spectrum. As far yeah, as. I just thought it was funny. I just don't, why would they want to hide what they're doing? I mean, it's not like this is like the sequel to like Star Wars, or you have, because at the time Will Smith was trying to be that guy off of Fresh Prince, right? Why would they try to hide? I don't, I don't, I, I don't get that at all. Well, what's I, the reason of having that title for the movie? I mean, it could be multiple factors. Like sometimes you have a working title and you're not hiding anything. Yeah. You might just not have a final title yet, but you need something on documentation. So like that might be a reason. But like as far as hiding it, if you feel like your movie's going to be like do really well and you don't want to spoil anything, you you just got to do it so that way people that are investigating or trying to get scoops, they can't land on your set and right. you know, all this other I, stuff. Okay, that makes sense now. Yeah. And if you're like shooting and stuff too, and people don't know what the hell Dutch Two is, like you're not going to have random fans of Will Smith or whatever show up to watch them films. So yeah, if, if I say, walk by a movie set called Dutch Two, I'm keep walking. I don't really don't care. <laughs> so I'm there, man. <laughs> <laughs> then you have a bunch of people from Denmark showing up. Like, oh my god, it's about us. Like, what the fuck? Where are all these apple pies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the casting. Uh, regarding the cast, Roland Emmerich says uh, in a New York Times interview that. Uh, they didn't want this film to be a, a movie star movie, uh, quote, and that the movie itself is the star. Um, having expensive actors would only chew up the budget and take away from the effects and marketing. So, you know, today we look at this cast and say like, oh, they got Will Smith, they got Jeff Goldblum, etc. Like those are big ass stars today. But, you know, back in the early 90s, that wasn't necessarily the case. They wanted to take the same approach, the creators yeah. um, that you see in like Jurassic Park. And Star Wars, right? ET, Where it's like they're star just not Wars. the big guys. Yeah. yeah, like you don't have the big name actors because all you need is a good performance and like the movie will will take it where it needs to go so you know jumping into the cast we got will smith is a uh, captain steve hiller um will smith's character wasn't written with his race explicitly in mind but emmerich says that they had always wanted him as one of the actors for this role from the very beginning um emmerich says that 20th century fox assumed that they'd be hiring a white guy for the role and emmerich says that he encountered racist responses from some of the executives at fox uh, roland emmerich says in a guardian interview that uh, regarding Will Smith, uh, quote, there is no one more American than Will Smith. Right. So. You have to cast Will Smith in this movie for that part. I read, though, that Ethan Hawke was up for that that role. Am I wrong on that? No, you're right on yeah. that. Ethan yeah. Ethan Hawke, yeah. Yeah. So the studio, um, they were kind of hesitant at first also because, you know, they only saw Will Smith as a sitcom actor because of Fresh Prince. Right. You know, but eventually they went along and let uh, Emmerich and Devlin have their way. So Will Smith jumped right into this movie after doing Bad Boys, which came out the year before. Um, at one point, like you said, Muggs, uh, Ethan Hawke was offered the part, but he turned it down because he saw a joke about E.T. in the script, and he thought that was the stupidest joke he'd ever heard. And uh, allegedly, he hated the script so much that he threw it out of his car window while driving. <laughs> Good God. Wow. Yeah. Um, but after Idiot. He, yeah. <laughs> but uh, after he saw the movie, though, he regretted not taking the part. 
I mean, how many times have we talked about that? You know, people yeah. just regretting shit. And then uh, in addition to Ethan Hawke, uh, other actors that were considered were Tom Cruise, oh. Keanu Reeves, uh, Johnny Depp, Jean-Claude Van Damme. No. And no. William Baldwin, Jean-Claude no. Van Damme. I, th- I think we're just tired of Jean-Claude Van Damme. At this point, <laughs> we are. It, just, yeah. it didn't work. Give so. him a break. Yeah. No, <laughs> we, you gave him Kickboxer and other movies, Hard Target. Could you like, imagine Independence Day with, like, kicks and, like, karate in it? And the splits. You're forgetting the splits. <laughs> Instead of him punching an alien, just... <laughs> he, he does the splits and punches <laughs> him in the dick. Welcome yeah. to Earth. <laughs> that was my best French or Belgium accent I could give you. I, I also read on IMDb that Eddie Murphy was the first choice for really? this role. Really? Yeah. What? That's, what? that's according to IMDb. They said Eddie Murphy was the first choice for the part of Stephen. I'd love to see Eddie Murphy in the action movie. I, yeah, man. I, I kind of want to see that, too. He did The Golden Child. Oh, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, a legit one. Yeah. Regarding the sequel, you know, Muggs, you kind of brought this up in financials, and I think you did too, Jay, in reviews. Um, so Will Smith, he turned down the role in Independence Day 2 in order to work on Suicide Squad because he felt that uh, he'd rather move forward in his career than take a step back and play an old role that he had. And then also at that time, he'd been doing way too many sci-fi movies. Men in Black, After Earth, yeah, yeah all that stuff. Um, I, I read he they, the studio just couldn't afford him because, I mean, he was a... Big I mean, time at that yeah, time. Yeah, big time. I mean, it's, it, his, his uh, salary alone would, like... It was like 50 million. So like the original plan was to do uh, two movies and make it a trilogy. So it was supposed to be Independence Day, the movie we're talking about today. Then I think it was like Independence Day, something part one, Independence Day, something part two. I forget the the subtitle on those, but it was supposed to be for a two movie deal and he wanted 50 mil for two movies. And the plan was to film both of these sequels back to back and release them like in a short window, like Matrix Reloaded style or something like that. Uh, Roland Emmerich says he talked to him and he kind of respects Will Smith's decision to kind of step back from the role because um, he was very interested in coming back at first. But, you know, having just done After Earth and I believe part two was supposed to come out earlier than 2016 and After Earth was 2013. So kind of just getting over that film and all the sci-fi stuff he'd done recently, like I Am Legend, you know, other stuff like that. I, Robot, or, you know, just all those movies. He's just kind of like, I just need to get away from Mm sci-fi. So like Roland Emmerich totally respected him for not coming on set so um then we got bill pullman as president thomas j whitmore uh this role was originally written for kevin spacey uh but the studio refused to hire him because they didn't think he had any star potential at the time you know bill pullman we all know him as lone star from Spaceballs. Yeah. uh that's a comedy and uh, he says when he got the call to play the president in this movie he immediately thought it must have been a comedy film, and he had no idea that it was actually more of a serious role. You know, he says uh, the first scenes that they filmed with him in it were uh, scenes towards the end, so, you know, the speech like we talked about, but his very first scene was them on the salt flats in Utah when uh, he's meeting Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum after they crashed their, mm-hmm. their attack ship. So he had to walk up to these guys, embrace them, talk like he'd been on this wild journey together, but it was difficult for him because he's just like, like this is our first day and, yeah. and I, have to, I have to pretend like everything beforehand has happened why do they do that Could to get the title schedule no yeah. no not not that part Wait, at the you... very end in the in Utah on the salt like the when, when they crash land the, the, oh. at the end yeah. of the movie yeah. at the beginning it's Maybe probably like in case something happens to the actors in well, like this time period they have some footage of it's like location. I think it's shooting location that also plays part in oh, that. You're yeah. going to get into it. Where is the location? It's in Utah, right? At a base? Is that what it is? No, no. And okay. So the salt flats are outside of the Great Salt Lake oh, okay. like in Utah. It's like nearby. 
Okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's all these things you guys are talking about. We talked about it in Mission Possible too. Liability issues. You right. shoot the, the easier scenes first. You know, if there's action, you don't mm-hmm. want anybody to get hurt. Uh, budgetary and uh, location scheduling. Yeah. You know, if, if the budget allows for it, do it now. Or if this is the only time you can get it, like maybe it's seasonal, maybe summertime, it's too damn hot. So you want to do it in the fall. And, you know, it's, you know, so many factors go into shooting a movie out of order. Because I remember we talked about it with Zombieland, too. They, they shot that very end scene at that, like, carnival area. It was the first thing they shot. Yeah. And I understand there's reasons behind that, too. But the actors talk about, like, I, we've gone through this whole journey, supposedly. And now, like, we have these relationships and all this stuff. And it's like, this is, like, our first day shooting. It's just it's just interesting, I guess, how they do that. It just, it's it would be gotta, tough. It'd be tough. You to got to give credit this, to the actors. Because yeah. it's like, yeah. you got to turn it on. And yeah. you don't even know what you're doing. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm bringing up that speech again Bill Pullman took a lot of inspiration from like 20th century uh, speeches made so Martin Luther King JFK etc um, apparently the speech was so good when he performed it that um, Roland Emmerich made it a point to not edit it because the energy was so good on set during and after the speech so you know you had cuts you know different cameras multi-camera and all that stuff but for the most part like there's very very little editing in that take um, so when he makes that speech it's just uh, raw footage from what I believe is probably just one take. Now we got Jeff Goldblum is uh, David Levinson, no relation to Jan Levinson. Um, <laughs> Matthew Broderick, <laughs> Matthew Broderick turned down the role. Jeff Levinson, oh, ghoul, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no more ghouls. What? What? What happened? You put your hands out there. You slit your wrists. You said, "Hey, world, this is my blood." <laughs> You were talking about Daryl earlier, too, with the, the things. And bippity-boppity, give me the zoppity. Bippity-boppity. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Matthew Broderick, uh, he actually was offered the role and he turned it down, which is ironic because um, he'd be working with Emmerich and Devlin on their next movie, Godzilla. So uh-huh. he, he showed up in their next movie. Um, he was also Inspector Gadget. Yeah. Um, then we got uh, Vivica A. Fox as uh, Jasmine Dubrow. Uh, Vivica A. Fox was starring in The Young and the Restless at the time and uh, was trying to break out of the soap opera genre. Uh, her own agent straight up told her that she would never get this role in Independence Day, which is pretty fucked up. Yeah. Uh, she auditioned six times for this role, and uh, because the character of Jasmine is a stripper, uh, she decided to show up in like a white leather jumpsuit with six-inch heels. Uh, after the audition, one of the casting directors said, uh, quote, thank God you can act. Yeah. And he said, uh, he said, uh, come back with the mindset that this character is a stripper with a heart of gold, and told her to look up Sandra Bullock's character in Speed as a reference. So she pretty much came back to her next audition, Dressed just like Sandra Bullock from Speed, oh, no. and then That's auditioned again. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> That's weird, man. Yeah. So uh, think Sandra Bullock in Speed? Yeah. As for your stripper role? That's that's what he said. Stripper with the heart of gold. Think of Sandra Bullock in Speed. That's well, what okay. he told her. That makes yeah. no fucking sense. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, but she got the role. So hey, um, her first day shooting were the scenes after the destruction of L.A. So she has like the big truck. She's picking people up, and uh, she said that the dog Boomer um, would not stop humping her. <laughs> uh, she asked the dog trainer, "Why does this dog keep humping me?" And the trainer says, uh, "He does that a lot when he's tired." And uh, according to her, the dog was tired the entire shoot. <laughs> so, Just survived that epic explosion, man. Yeah. Um, and then uh, one more thing that I totally forgot about, but uh, she's in season one of The Fresh Prince. 
Uh, she's Jazz's crazy ass sister. Oh, oh yeah. 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 yeah, I remember that. Yeah, the one that's like bossing Will around, and yeah. then like Carlton puts her in yeah. check, and then they get together, and you never see her again. Yeah. But um, she and Will got pretty close on set, and um, one of the things that uh, she admired about Will Smith was that um, he was always working. He had that killer mentality because like she would take a break in between shoots, and he'd walk by and be like, "What the hell are you doing?" And she's just like, "Oh, I'm on my break. I'm chilling, relaxing." And he's just like, "No, no, no." Like we need to go, come with me. Like we're gonna work out, we're gonna read our lines, we're gonna do all this shit. Because like he knew how important this film was for his career, so he was not gonna take any breaks. He wanted everyone else the same level. Yeah, he he said like this uh, this movie could do so much for us. Like we need to fucking be on top of our shit. She actually got some leads after this movie. Like what two can play that game or no no uh, what's that one movie that she was in that she was the lead role in. She was in uh, Booty Call. To, yeah. <laughs> no. She, what is it called? Is like, two can play that game. I don't know what she did really after that, but I know she was like a star. I knew who she was. Uh, didn't she date 50 Cent? Yes. Yeah, I, wrong yeah, I, was, I swear she did. <laughs> I thought she did. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing it back. Yeah. Jesus. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jason, you were talking about this, but uh, Jada Pickett Smith, you know, Will Smith's wife, uh, she turned down the role of uh, Jasmine because she was filming The Nutty Professor. Vivica says that uh, the day that she and Will were doing their kissing scene, Jada Pinkett showed up and uh, it was super awkward at first, but she was just like, oh, hell no, like do your thing, like like encouraging them, all this other stuff. So, yeah. It's gotta be tough. But I mean, like we were talking about earlier, it's just like you're in that profession, I think after a you while, have to know. you just have to know and accept it. Yeah. But they, I'm sure there's still jealousy well, that happens. She's mooching on Eddie then, <laughs> technically. It's true, yeah. yeah. Who was a bigger star at the time? Yeah. 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 So uh, then we got uh, Ross Bagley as Dylan, uh, a.k.a. Nikki Banks from uh, Fresh Prince. Uh, so it's crazy because uh, this movie came out in 96, and I believe the Fresh Prince ended in 96. So Will and uh, Ross Bagley were probably still doing Fresh Prince or had just jumped off of Fresh Prince when this movie was being worked on. Uh, then we got uh, Mary McDonald as a uh, first lady, uh, Marilyn Whitmore. For anybody that doesn't know, she plays President Laura Roslin on Battlestar Galactica. Shout out to all my Battlestar Galactica people. So say we all. Um, shout out to Jose. I got him to watch it. So, <laughs> um, And then uh, she took the role after her agent said that uh, it's about 15 mile wide spaceships. And she was just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Easiest pitch. <laughs> yeah. Then we got uh, Margaret Collin is uh, Connie Spano. Uh, so Allie Walker from Universal Soldier was cast in this role, but she had to drop out at the last minute, so they cast uh, Margaret Collin. Uh, Margaret Collin at the time was 37 years old, but she told the joke to a casting assistant that she was 22. So the casting assistant took it you know, as a serious comment, and when he kind of forwarded her age, they said, oh, like you're way too young for this role. So they moved on to somebody else. And then she had to like call them back and like clear it up and say, no, 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 I was only joking. I'm not 22, I'm 37. Yeah. And then they gave, gave her back the role. So don't lie about your age or your height if you're on uh, those dating apps. Uh, then we got uh, Brent Spiner as uh, Dr. Oaken. Uh, so he played Data in Star Trek The Next Generation and uh, the films related to that series. It, it, it was kind of odd seeing him cast because in if you watch The Next Generation, he's very it's very monotone, robotic, and so he's kind of playing outside his typical role. And it, yeah, seeing him on screen, I'm like, that's Data. Mm -hmm. But he was, you know, lively. He was a hippie. And it was just, yeah, it was. Got to see a different type of. Yeah, acting. it was refreshing to see him in a different in a different role because I'd seen him as Data even. 
because I think he went on from this to go do like First Contact, one of the other Star Trek movies mm -hmm. shortly after this. So it was kind of cool to see him. I've only known him as Data up until this point. So. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen a Star Trek movie other than the J.J. Abrams ones? No. Yeah. I have. You have? I, have I, yeah. actually, I actually yeah, own all of them. Uh, they're okay. I saw, which one was it? I think I saw the first one that they did with um, Patrick Stewart. I think it was Generations. First, that's was it, that's the one that had Willem Shatner in it. No, no, that's no. the show. No, no, no. no. Oh, have, Next Generation. And, okay, yeah, you're right. The, the, yeah. the, first, the first, well, it depends on what Star Trek. So you have the, the Star Trek, the original cast, and then you have the Star Trek. No, with, we're talking about the era with like... Patrick Stewart. Yeah. And all so, that. so the first first movie they brought back William Shatner, mm. uh, and that was that was that was a generations. Then they did first Contact with the Borg, and then they did two other ones that were forgettable. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, all all our Star Trek people, let us know when we do our retrospective. Yeah, you Trekkies, let us know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the character of Doctor Oaken uh, is actually based on a real life person named Jeffrey A. Oaken, who was the VFX supervisor on Stargate. So uh, Devlin and uh, Emmerich's previous film. So everything you see about this guy in the movie, to the way he looks, is based on that guy. So same mannerisms, attitude, everything. So that's that's pretty cool. Get the shout out by making a character based off of you. Uh, and then uh, lastly, we got a. Uh, Robert Loggia is a General William Gray. Um, he actually got to decide which branch of military his character was going to be in uh, because it was never specified in the script. So he ended up, he was the one that chose the Marine Corps. He modeled his character performance after different World War II generals, specifically U.S. Army General George S. Patton. Uh, he got upset at one point and didn't want to leave his trailer uh, because Dean Devlin recommended that he watch Airplane for inspiration and that pissed off Loja because he thought for a short while that they were making like a spoof movie. Um, so the movie that Dean Devlin actually meant to suggest was Airport, which uh -oh. came out in like 1970. Uh, yeah, so for anybody that doesn't know, Airplane is a comedy. I know. Air I never heard of Airport. Yeah, no, Airport. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a weather disaster terrorism movie. Yeah, Air Airplane is your slapstick comedy yeah. of all comedies. I was about to say they're suggesting some horrible yeah. like <laughs> Sandra Bullock. <laughs> Go watch Sandra Bullock and Airplane, and you'll know what we're looking at. <laughs> Moving on to the production, uh, this movie only took 72 days to shoot. So I'm not sure if that's in total with reshoots or just principal photography, but it only took 72 days, which is pretty quick. Um, right off the bat, we know that this movie features a ton of U.S. military. Uh, according to Dean Devlin, uh, the U.S. military was willing to support the making of this film up until they found out that Area 51 was in the script. Um, so they were willing to let them use actual bases, offer military insight, personnel, but as soon as you know they wouldn't back down from having Area 51 in this movie, they just pieced out. And you know the reason for that, you know this movie, while it is a kind of evolution of the alien invasion film, it also pays homage to a lot of those films. And you know you can't do like a modern alien movie without including Area 51. That's like a pop culture staple. Like Top Gun, were they going, because I read that too, were they going to use like actual footage of like the fighter jets or were they just going to use like base footage and all that other stuff and help them out or were they actually going to use the fighter jets? Because I know all the fighter jets are CGI, right? And it just, it's one of my trashes. It, just, it sucks, you know? <laughs> I think they were going to give them the Top Gun treatment where they yeah. like allow them access because like they were willing to let them use facilities, etc. Wow. actual personnel, but... Area 51 kind of ruined the deal for them. I wonder why. Like, why is that yeah. such a big deal? Maybe just the, they didn't want all that speculation and they didn't want to have anything to do with it if it included stuff that they might feel is classified or fictional. 
I guess if they're in, not endorsing it, but they're allowing them to be on these bases, and then they're allowing them that they agreed to say, hey, you can say Area 51, then it's just kind of like feeding into all that shit, which I'm Propaganda. sure they don't want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so one of the bases they, they reference in the film is El Toro. I actually had to look that up to see if it was actually still existed, because I'm not familiar with that base. I'm familiar with March Air Force Base out here, Edwards. I guess it's, it closed down in 99, but yeah, prior to then, it, it was an actual base and it's located in Orange County. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Southern California, <laughs> Fontana, they yeah. shot at the Kaiser Steel Mill again. So that's... What scene was that? Uh, I do not remember, but they shot in Fontana. Yeah. I'm trying to think right now. Disaster scene? Oh, you might be right. It might yeah, be like a disaster scene. Yeah. yeah, like, oh, like maybe when they're driving the truck yeah. or something. Yeah, LA. Or like yeah, the streets post, or something, yeah. yeah. Um, they also filmed out in uh, Wendover, Utah, using the Wendover Airport for the uh, El Toro base and uh, outside shots of Area 51. So they did all the exterior shots uh, in that area. Um, the scene with Will Smith dragging the alien through the desert was filmed at the uh, Bonneville Salt Flats in Utah. Um, the line where he screams out, what's that smell when he's dragging the alien, wasn't even in the script. Um, according to IMDB, there really was like a really shitty smell during filming. Uh, apparently at Salt Lake, there's a bunch of brine shrimp in the lake. And uh, when these things die, they sink to the bottom of the lake, which isn't that deep. And, you know, they start rotting in the water. So when the wind starts blowing and it picks up, you know, the wind starts blowing. You can't make this up. Man. Yeah, it picks up the smell from the mud and uh, it distributes like that nasty ass smell into the air. So like he actually was breathing in something nasty. And then uh, there's that shot where, you know, you see the trailers coming towards yeah. Will Smith. Um, they actually got 170 real trailers for that scene. So like all those trailers you see are actually being driven by extras. Yeah. I heard in that scene too that you can actually see Interstate 80 and you can see like a truck driving down it. Like it's not this desolate area. There's Uh, actually like a highway right there. I was trying to rewatch it because I was watching this documentary before I came over here and they were showing that scene. I didn't see it, but they said if you look closely, like you can actually see the highway and you can see like a tractor trailer just fucking driving. And I'm like, oh okay. shit, that ruins it. It's probably like they, they miss it in post. They're yeah, just I'm like, like, oh damn it. Or the movie was like over, like over scheduled and they're just like, fuck it, like leave it. <laughs> Are you going to talk about them getting sunburned too? Oh, talk about it, go ahead. Yeah, so when they're on those flats, they said like everyone, Will Smith, everybody, even with their clothes on, because it's so white and it's so hot and the reflects it's just so much, on them, yeah. you get sunburned through your clothes. Oh, oh wow. And I was like, holy fuck. You should have been at a barbecue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, they actually filmed uh, out in uh, LAX and uh, Westchester and El Segundo at a Hughes aircraft plant. Um, I think it's closed now. I think it's been closed for a while. But uh, they actually had to halt filming because of uh, threats by the Unabomber at that time. Oh. Yeah. So uh, they, they had to halt filming for a little bit. And then as far as the White House goes, like the interior, we'll talk about uh, the actual explosion later, but um, they didn't have to build new sets for the White they House. They piggybacked off of other stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, the last movie to use it was uh, Nixon, which came out the year prior starring Anthony Hopkins. So they just kept that set and they just filmed it there. So And I heard that was in a hangar at an airport, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one last thing before we move on. Um, all the news broadcasts that you see in this movie are done with real life newscasters and uh, over 70 were created for this movie. Like no actors, like they got real newscasters, had them read the news and then recorded that because they felt like actors wouldn't be believable. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah. You know, Martin Nash from the office is in the movie too. Not for real. Oh, yeah. I was he's about a, to say he's that. He's a scientist. Yeah, he's like, he's like, hey, so-and-so. And he like looks up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. 
that's uh, that's how I, I, that's how you ended up in uh, jail. Yeah. <laughs> bring up one thing. I mean, I mean, you're bringing up the location of the bases. They do have footage, not in New York and D.C. Like how that's not all miniature when they do like the shadows and all that. That has to be CGI, right? No, I'm going to talk about that. Oh, you are. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that. All right, let's talk about the visual effects in this movie. Um, So Roland Emmerich's approach to making a visual effects heavy movie was that uh, you should always try to push the boundaries of what is available at that time. Um, And you should at least have one or two sequences that nobody has ever seen before. So um, this movie, um, I don't know if it still does, but it uh, holds the record for the most miniature models to ever appear in a single film with more miniatures than any other two previous films combined. 95% of the action in this movie was made with miniatures, motion control cameras, and uh, composited in post-production. So everything you see is just layers deep of compositing. Um, Every plane you see in the sky is a miniature or a CGI model, except for the biplane that Russell flies uh, when he's crop dusting. Uh, The buildings, street level destruction, monuments were mostly miniatures and they shot about uh, 4,000 different scale models and miniatures. Uh, There were some scenes where uh, you know they would have uh, civilians running and stuff like that. Um, They would hook them up to cables, drag them, wind machines, um, and they actually would flip real cars for for a lot of the close-up scenes. But everything you see in the action was composited uh, with tons of different techniques. So everything in DC and New York is all models? Yes. Wow. Every every building you see blown up Scale I, model. I get the, bu- yeah. but I, I thought somehow they could take aerial shots of DC. I get as a no-fly zone, but I thought they, they did a good job. Then, if you ask me, are, are you going to talk about how they blow up? Uh, I don't know if it was the Empire State Building. How, how do you do that? I know for like the like the Empire State Building, the, the building they blew up in New York, it was a miniature, but they actually laid it flat on the ground and they blew it up. So it wasn't like it was upright. Right. The way they shot it is they, they laid it down and it was miniature and they blew it up, you know, and that way that's the look that you get. Even though you, you look, you look, it looks like you're looking at it on it dead on, like it's a standing building. It was actually laid flat. And Do you know why it. they did that? I, don't. I, I, I guess just the way, it, the way it was shot, it looks. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why, because it has to do with the White House too. Okay. Why okay. they shot certain things, or not the White House, but city streets and all that shit too. Yeah. Okay. Fire, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the way fire, uh, like explosions combust and stuff. There you go. Um, um, so uh, they shot over 6,000 elements to make uh, 430 VFX shots, uh, which isn't a lot now, but it was huge when this came out. Uh, a lot of big budget blockbusters now have over 1,000, with some passing 2,000 VFX shots. Uh, for example, Avengers Age of Ultron has over 3,000 special effects shots. Uh, the VFX documentary on this movie lists the amount of elements that the uh, visual effects team had to create. So they created uh, 3,978 F-18s. They made 1,550 smoke trails, 52,278 pieces of debris, 3,931 alien ships, 22,014 light balls, so like light sources, etc. 92 alien shields, 1,549 missiles, and 45 individual dogfights for this movie. Um, and then this movie did eventually win an Academy Award for, for visual effects. Yeah, yeah, for visual effects. So for the shots of the explosions and the fire spreading outward from the alien blasts moving down the streets, uh, they actually had to build miniature replicas of city streets at an upright angle, perpendicular to the ground and with like a 10 degree tilt because fire and explosions travel upward. So they would film with the camera facing downward on these models so the camera would look like it's pointing down the street, but in reality, the model of the street is pointing towards the ceiling and the camera's pointing down at it because of the way you know explosions happen. You know, fire shoots upward. So in order to get that shot 
of the fire moving towards the camera, moving laterally, um, they had to shoot it that way because explosions don't move outward. They move up and outward. Yeah. So that's that's why they shot it that way. Bain taught us that. He told us uh, fire rises. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Passed that uh, chem class. Easy. Um, the funny thing about this is that somebody actually told the director that these explosion shots would be super expensive to create digitally. They're just like, hey, man, be prepared to spend like 150 grand on all these special effects. Like each of these shots and he's just like why it's like because it's gonna take forever to render these in 3d and all that other shit and he's just like why don't we just shoot it in real life and it, it was his idea to get the uh the sfx team to actually build models and get pyrotechnics and shoot it in real time and they saved a ton of money and saved a ton of time doing it on camera but what's crazy about it though is that if you look at like famous shots of all time you always see the white house being blown up in independence day so it's almost like it's one of the like the most iconic shots of all time, in my opinion. If if you ever would go to Kokorian in Redlands, where I'm from, you know, and I know they would have like a whole like thing of all these famous parts of movies. They always had that one on. Do you guys remember yeah. that? Where yeah. it's like, hey, check this out. And it's it's kind of cool that like he was able to do that. And I, I think I'm glad they actually use miniatures and real things because you know we always talk about films, you know, the CGI getting dated. And I saw, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it. I saw it yesterday and it, it still looked good. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> no, there's some shitty shots in there too. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I want to bring up. How come they can make the White House and Capitol building being blown up so well, but yet they can't make Air Force One look real? <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> like, I don't get it. Like, come on, man. Yeah, like one of the things about this movie that I read was that this movie came out right at the time where CGI was getting to the point where you could you don't have to use miniatures and you didn't have to composite as much. So like this movie, it, it took all the knowledge of the past basically and use it all in one movie. And then like a couple years later, like the industry had evolved as far yeah. as visual mm -hmm. effects. So if this movie came out in like 99, 2000, 2001, it'd probably look a lot better, yeah. maybe by 90 standards, but like you probably wouldn't have as many miniatures, you know? Talking about explosions and whatnot, you know, the, the White House. Let's talk about, you know, that scene. Uh, so they built a 112 scale model that was 15 feet wide and five feet high, uh, and it cost over 50 grand to make, uh, and they had to get the explosion right in one shot. So they had one shot to get that explosion right. For every visual effect and special effect shot, uh, this one in particular, so many factors had to be looked at in creating these explosions. You know, how you want the building to explode. Um, Bling, you were talking earlier about uh, the Empire State Building. So how it's gonna explode, you know, the amount of charges, the amount of gas, the material you wanna use so that it looks like an actual building made of the correct materials as it explodes while still making it look like an actual building. So, uh, you know, you also had to look at uh, frame rates of the cameras, the distance of the cameras, from the actual explosion, just a ton of factors that are that are involved in making these explosions possible. Um, they shot the White House explosion at 300 frames per second. And uh, one of the guys on set said that if they filmed this at the standard 24 frames per second, you would only get two seconds of actual explosion. Wow. So um, I know some of us watched that behind the scenes documentary. So when they blow up the White House, it's like pop, and then there's smoke, and then that's yeah. it. So when yeah. they when they film it, what you're seeing on screen is it's slowed down. I think what 12 times or yeah. six yeah. times almost uh, what the actual what the actual speed was. Um, they used uh, unmanned cameras and plexiglass protection over the cameras to protect them in the explosions. 
Uh, one of the guys that worked on it said that uh, this thing was so detailed that you could use it for close-up shots before the explosion. So when they had um, establishing shots of the White House when they're parked outside and all that stuff, like some of that is the model. And they actually built furniture for the inside of this model as well. So they built scale furniture. Uh, that's how detailed it was. 50 grand to make that? Yeah, 50 grand. Wow. That's that is a, insane, It's dude. a four-year degree a couple yeah. years ago. Yeah. Detailed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny because a lot of guys spent so much time working on it, they're actually kind of pissed off that they had to blow it up. Wow, <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't want to but blow they it had up. A second one though. But, but no, they, they only built one. Oh, yeah, but they imagine it. Imagine if things didn't work out and you're like, that doesn't, that doesn't look good. We got to build another one. Fifty grand. <laughs> well, okay. So they did a rehearsal with um, different pieces of it. Yeah. So they did a rehearsal with it because the next day when they were going to actually have to blow it up, for whatever reason, the media was allowed on set. So they allowed 50 members of the press. Then you have like execs, other people, maybe friends and family coming to watch this thing. So like not only do they have to get it right in one take, they have to get it right with all these people watching. Yeah. Some of them, you know, higher ups and whatnot. One of the funny instances about this this uh, explosion scene, though, is that uh, the uh, FX team went out to lunch to eat at a restaurant and they started talking about their shooting schedule. So they're in D.C. and they're having this co- or they're, maybe they're not in D.C., but like they're out in public at a restaurant and they're saying to each other about their shooting schedule. They're like, OK, Wednesday, we got to blow up the Capitol building, the White House. We're going to blow that up on Friday, et cetera. <laughs> oh, and then it got real awkward because like other people at the restaurant started looking at them like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Like, they thought they were like terrorists or whatever. They had no idea they were working on a movie. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the aliens. These aliens were designed by Patrick Totopoulos. Uh, he worked on Spawn, Super Mario Brothers, I Am Legend, Man of Steel, and Justice League. Uh, when designing the look of the aliens and their architecture, they made it a point to not base their work on things that have been done before and do something completely new. Uh, but still while also tapping into the cultural mythology of aliens. So you know how we said this is kind of also a throwback to like the older movies. They wanted to take what people expected based on pop culture and fiction, but also, you know, take it to the next level. Um, Their approach uh, to the large alien ships, especially the mothership, was to keep them simple, elegant, and massive. Uh, The attacker ship, the one that they take up to the mothership, was actually built on set. It was uh, 65 feet wide and uh, was an actual metal structure. So it wasn't like plywood and plaster and all this shit. Like it was an actual metal ship uh, and it took four months to build. They also built a scale model of the alien mothership that was uh, 12 feet wide. There were two concepts created for how the aliens look. There was a really, really tall version that more or less went against what people assume an alien looks like in movies. And then there was a a second smaller creature, you know, the one that's inside the bio suit or whatever, that looks more like what people think an alien looks like. You know, big ass head, big eyes, small body. Roland Emmerich, he liked both designs so much that he decided to use both. Um, And they took the larger concept and made that the biomechanical suit. And then the smaller one became the actual alien. So, you know, which is pretty cool. Um, They built a full-size alien, so uh, the biomechanical suit, and they had four to five people puppet this thing using rods, and then they took out the rods in post-production. They also had a guy wear the upper torso of the large alien and operate it that way for, like, close-ups of the torso. Um, If they needed shots of the alien's arms, somebody would wear them like sleeves, and then somebody else would puppet the fingers with a remote control. Um, The full-size alien that they built was eight feet tall with 25 tentacles. And then for the shot of Dr. Oaken opening the alien, they had to build uh, multiple full-scale aliens for each stage of that surgery. Oh, God. Yeah, so they made um, one head. So the biomechanical suit, the big-ass alien, uh, they made one that splits open. 
uh, they made a second head that the doctor can kind of move his hands in and push the tissue around. Um, they made a third one uh, that once you push the tissue around, you can see the small alien head. And then they built a fourth head where the little alien comes out. And on that fourth one, they had two puppeteers underneath the operating table pushing the little alien out with the arms and everything. So four, four separate models just for that surgery scene. And then they built a uh, separate head um, so you know the scene where uh, the alien kind of opens its eyes and yeah. you see the mm-hmm. reflection? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a real reflection. That's not CGI at all. So they built this separate head for this close-up insert shot, and they made the eye out of reflective material, and then they shot it with a real camera. So what you see is actual footage of the doctors operating. It's wow. not 3D. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Did you guys say this whole scene is another iconic moment in the whole movie? <sighs> Yeah, like it's pretty. Thing. It's pretty impressive. When you see his like fingers move, the most to me. when his fingers move and yeah. like they just like it, you could tell the tension is rising. Yeah, I like it. I yeah. love it. Because when I think back on it, I haven't seen Independence Day in a while. Like the things I remember, like Will Smith punching the alien, the White House blowing up, and then Welcome to Earth. Yeah, and then <laughs> yeah, and then this whole scene where the alien takes over the scientist. Like those three scenes, I feel like were like the most iconic. Yeah, in yeah, my opinion. I, th- I think, yeah, what do you call it? Especially with, you know, our, what we've seen as far as movies with aliens, we had Alien and we had E.T., you know, and so you, you kind of have well, the friendly alien or you have, the, like, the, the huge sadistic one, and this one was kind of like a, a new take where it's kind of like you were saying, Curran, they took some old elements and kind of kind of mix it in what, what we, you know, the audience presumes what, what an alien looks like. So I, I like their take on this one. All the tentacles, probably find, like, a hentai movie yeah. on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so we also got the aliens uh, that were in the tanks, the ones that you see, uh, like the three of them lined up before mm-hmm. they meet like the, oh, yeah, the aggressive yeah. one. What are you talking about? Okay. Yeah. So um, at first they had them in empty tanks and they put something over it to make it look like they were floating in water. So I don't know if it was like a film filled with water or whatever, but uh, the director said, nah, they need to be in water. He's like, it looks too fake. They need to be in water. So the day before shooting, they had to order real extra large tanks have them shipped and delivered to the set, and then they had to fill them up with water and insert the aliens in time for that shoot. Wow. But I, I gotta give the director props though, because like there's a lot of stuff that they try to cut corners on and do in post, and I love the fact that he's just like, no, let's just do it for real. Like yeah. explosions, yeah. the aliens, the stupid mirror reflecting eye thing. Yeah. Like there was an idea to just do it in post, and he said, nah, just do it in real life. Yeah. So like I, I do appreciate that. Um, and then uh, we get to, the final battle, the one over Area 51, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I was gonna say like over Texas. I don't know why I was gonna yeah. say that. <laughs> so they had to animate hundreds of alien ships and F-18s along with each kind of ammunition being fired, each dogfight chase, each explosion, and uh, each effect per ship and ammunition. So light flashes, smoke trails, uh, distortion, all that other stuff had to be animated per ammunition shot. They had to animate each flight pattern per plane you know, if a plane spun out of control, hit something, that too. Not to mention the debris, lighting, all that other stuff. So initially, the plan was to animate each and every bit of information on the screen per item by hand. And that would have taken four to five days to complete a single dogfight in this whole massive battle. But they used a uh, what is called a primitive. Uh, it's an animation base in order to have the sequences done in roughly a 24-hour period. So what they do is um, they kind of map out the scene um, using little dots. So they have one color for the aliens, one color for the for the humans, and then one color for the for the effects, the ammunition, missiles, mm-hmm. etc. And so they would choreograph this 
and it would make it a lot easier because computers were not as fast back then. And once they figured out what they wanted to show in any given shot and it got approved, then they would go in and add the actual texture models, effects, and all that other stuff. And it made the process so much faster. Yeah. Yeah. Because like Roland Emmerich would pull his like James Wan and be like, nah, do this. Nah, do this. And they had to change that shit. Uh, one thing I want to bring up, I heard that with the aliens, like it's a different species, very slimy. I heard they literally used KY jelly to like <laughs> to make it that, that slime thing. So what you're seeing is KY jelly. Yeah. Am I wrong on that? Do you guys read that? No, no that's yeah. true. It is true, right? Yeah, like they that, that's what they wanted. So when you see that, it's KY jelly. <laughs> they went through a lot of it too. A lot of yeah. it. Yeah. They said it would like evaporate so quick because it was so hot. <laughs> yeah, like uh, like when Will Smith's dragging it. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Let's get into, uh, you know, fun facts and deleted scenes. Uh, there is an alternate ending in this movie uh, involving Randy Quaid's character, Russell. Uh, at first, he was supposed to be rejected as a pilot uh, because he was an alcoholic. Uh, he was then supposed to steal a missile, tie it to his uh, crop dust and biplane, right. and fly it up into the alien ship and still do the suicide mission. You're um, lying. I'm no. Oh, <laughs> I'm back. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... Even though the uh, test audiences liked it, they decided to change it up so that um, he was in an F-18 and accepted into the you know the mm. final battle because they felt like it wouldn't make sense for a biplane to keep pace with all these F-18s right. and alien ships. Yeah, like yeah. It, it wouldn't make any sense. Be hilarious. Huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Literally, it's a missile like strapped to the the whole of the plane. Duct tape. <laughs> yeah. Duct tape. Yeah. And I believe his speech is a lot longer too. It's not like just a hello boys, I'm back. It's like, uh, just a draw. It's like almost like a farewell like. Uh, manifesto kind of speech. Well, then it turns it into a definite <laughs> suicide mission too when yeah. you do that. Like mm -hmm. it's no longer yeah. like he has a chance to shoot the missile. It's definite, definite suicide. Yeah, I think um, the reason they also did it too was that they wanted it to be a choice on his part because having him with the biplane meant that he just went up there and killed himself. But he also has three kids, so they wanted it to be something that he had to make a choice on, as Got opposed it. to just. I'm gonna go kill myself. So he has that last missile, and we all know it gets jammed. Yeah. So he has no choice but to do it, and he has to make that sacrifice for his kids. So I think it works out better in the end. It puts him as a hero, though, right? I yeah. Mean, yeah, I love it. You know, like because, I, okay. because even the whole biplane thing, like okay, so he knew what needed to be done, but he wasn't part of the initial fight squadron. Like, how would he know that? Oh, he needs to. They need to shoot a yeah. missile into this opening. Like, it, 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 he wouldn't be in the know what's going on unless he was there. I think, and while it was comical when I saw. This scene, it just didn't fit like what was going on, where you had to make a like a, a last minute decision yeah. that because something happened, like some unfortunate circumstance, the jamming of the missile happened. So yeah, um, so there are a couple deleted scenes uh, that were added to I guess the uh, special edition of this movie that weren't there in theaters. Um, so when Russ and his family get to Area 51, you know his son is sick, throwing yeah. up on the side of the road and stuff. Um, he runs around saying, "Oh, I need a doctor. I need a doctor." Uh, my son's got a problem with his uh, adrenal cortex. Um, so according to IMDb, based on his visible symptoms, uh, he either has Addison's disease or a congenital adrenal hyperplasia, which both affect the adrenal cortex and cause vomiting. So adrenal hyperplasia is a group of genetic conditions limiting hormone production and can affect the growth uh, and development of children, causing abnormal or ambiguous genitalia. Uh, 
Addison's disease is a disease where the adrenal glands don't produce enough hormones, and uh, when the body is under stress or fighting an infection, it can be life-threatening. So your adre- your adrenal glands sit right on top of your kidneys. Oh wow! Yeah, I was on uh, I was online for a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> you went time. down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, so when Miguel tells Russ, you know, Miguel's the oldest son. There's a scene where Miguel tells Russ that he's not his real father. He's just a guy that married his mother, and that kind of explains why they look nothing alike. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's a scene where David tells his dad uh, that Connie keeps her cell phone number listed for emergencies. We see that in the movie. The deleted scene shows how he tracks the number down, and it shows him looking uh, for various aliases that she might use. And uh, he finds out that she's still using her married name, even though they're split. Right. So there's something there. Yeah. There's hope. There's Should there's still a chance. Yeah. Doesn't she also say, "How did you get this number?" Like <laughs> at the very in the way, like. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> hey, come on. Yeah. Seriously? It's like, listed for emergencies. Yeah. Like, you list it. It's in a phone book somewhere. Um, there's also a deleted scene where Jasmine, uh, Vivica Fox, uh, she's at the strip club, right? Um, the son and the dog are waiting in the manager's office while she's dancing at the strip club. And uh, her manager yells at her, why'd you bring your son here? So I'm glad it's not in there. Yeah. 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 That was a question I wrote in my <laughs> Oh, <laughs> like, where is he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that was, that was one scene to explain where the little boy uh, was. Okay. Yeah. And then the last one I found was uh, David looks around the alien's cockpit. Uh, you know, when they're uh, at Area 51, he looks inside the attack ship. And then uh, he sees, like, displays in there that uh, show the alien signal that he discovered early on in the film. So I already talked about how they all got sunburnt. But one thing that was interesting where they filmed was when they filmed the president's speech, they filmed it on August 6th, uh, 1995. It was in front of an old airplane hangar that once housed the the plane that dropped the atomic bomb Uh, on Hiroshima. And I guess it dropped the, I, I forgot the exact date, but they dropped the bomb on August 6th, 1945, so exactly 50 years to the day. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty neat. There was like, I didn't find a lot of info on this, but I guess there's like some weird urban like conspiracy theory that I guess right when uh, Jeff Goldblum gets on the helicopter and he opens up his laptop, the countdown clock says 9-11. Oh. Oh. Oof. Yeah. yeah, it's like I, right around nine minutes. I, I remember that yeah, scene. Yeah, but I guess supposedly if you really like freeze it, it's like nine, twelve, eighteen. But yeah. it's, uh, I it's don't an, know. It's a conspiracy. It's, it's like, like a big thing, though. Yeah. I was like, I never heard of this, but yeah. uh, I thought that was interesting. Uh, moving on to the music, uh, this movie won a Grammy for best composition written for a uh, movie or TV, and the score was composed by David Arnold. Uh, he's done music for Stargate, Godzilla, Zoolander. Casino Royale, and for my Tyrese fans, he did Baby Boy and Oof. Too Fast, Too Furious. <laughs> so he did those movies. Too fast, huh? Yeah, oh yeah. And uh, you know, we'll talk about this in a bit, but I guess the marketing campaign for this movie was so good that according to IMDb, David Arnold had to like lock himself in his hotel room for four months to avoid the hype. Cause I guess like just the success of the marketing stressed him out with coming up for a score for this movie. So I guess, the score was performed by an orchestra of 90 members and a 40-person choir. I can't think. We've just watched it. I don't remember a lot of vocals. Yeah, vocal yeah, stuff. Yeah. And I was reading this. I was like, I don't know. It says Grammy a, a winning score too. Mm. Okay, so with this movie, there's four other movies that won the Grammy, but then didn't get nominated for an Academy Award for Best Score. It's kind of weird because you figured if you're getting up for a Grammy, you would be nominated for an Academy Award as well. But there's a couple movies on here. One was uh, The Dark Knight. So The Dark Knight soundtrack actually won a Grammy, but then wasn't nominated for an Oscar. What? And I think that's a pretty good soundtrack. Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, score, too. 
What about Aquaman? <laughs> Aquaman wasn't on here. I mean, Ocean well, Ocean, the score, man. But the soundtrack should be. Yeah. <laughs> and then just one last thing about one of the songs. So do you remember when uh, they play uh, It's the End of the World as we know it's it? It's in my treasure, yeah. R.E.M. Yeah, so I guess the original song to be played was Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. Uh-huh. Everybody, you know that song? So well, Keep going, sing it. Keep going. No, I'm good. Um, <laughs> So I don't know. I like them playing It's the End of the World. Oh, it's I do, my treasure. I love yeah. it. I do like that Tears for Fear song, but I think this is a yeah. better fit. Yeah. That's all I got on the, the score. All right. Let's talk about the marketing and the release of the movie. Uh, so what really got people hyped about this movie was the marketing. And I think we discussed this earlier. I think you brought it up, Muggs, the Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. Uh, this marketing campaign for this movie started in December 1995 using a bunch of teaser trailers and commercials showcasing giant alien ships kind of hovering over and destroying famous landmarks like the White House, Empire State Building, etc. Uh, I don't know, Krispy Kreme. Um, this campaign cost around $24 million leading up to the release of the film. And then uh, 20th Century Fox spent an additional $30 million leading up to the VHS release of this movie. So like you said before, Muggs, they had that Super Bowl trailer. Um, one of the taglines they used was uh, enjoy the Super Bowl it may be your last and uh, that commercial like we said cost 1.3 million but the, the important thing about it is it really started the trend of movie studios using the Super Bowl to kick off their summer uh, movie marketing campaigns. So after this is when you really saw movie studios pushing for that Super Bowl time slot yeah. to advertise their movies. The rest of their campaign also had a bunch of other different taglines like, uh, we've always believed we weren't alone. On July 4th, you'll wish you were. Uh, Earth, take a good look. It could be your last uh, and then another one is like, don't make plans for August. Wow. And I kind of feel like, wouldn't you say don't make plans for July? Because yeah. it's beginning yeah. of the month. Yeah, so I don't true. know. It's not smart. Uh, I got to say, yeah, the print ad was really, the, advert, the marketing for this one was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this was the first time as a kid that I noticed like advertising everywhere yeah. that it, and it wasn't a kid's movie. Yeah. Like this movie and then um, Star Wars Episode One. Oh, wow. We're like the two big, like the first time as a kid that I noticed ad campaigns, like super huge ad campaigns. And uh, I guess like the entire, you know, wait up to the release of the movie, they kept a timer for, oh, for the wow. release date. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, like a kind of like a doomsday clock, if you will. Um, after the Super Bowl commercial aired, uh, Fox and Apple, they entered a partnership where they would, you know, take shots of Jeff Goldblum using his Apple Power Book and they'd put it in their advertising. Um, I know there's like more stuff about like that. Yeah. That's not like a real like model or something like that. It was that. like a prototype that he was using. I think it was, what, what do they call it? Like a It's like an XX. XX. XX, yeah, something weird like that. Yeah, a lot of porn on that. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I was like, that's what I was thinking too. I was like, why would you name it that? Come on, guys. Yeah. You know, uh, this movie also had a bunch of toy tie-ins, uh, you know, product placement with Coke and Coors. Um, and then, uh, you know, Bill Clinton, who was president at the time, actually got a private screening. I think, Muggs, you mentioned this. Uh, he got to see it a day ahead of the actual release date. So he got to see it on July 2nd when the movie actually starts taking place, which is pretty cool. Um, Roland Emmerich says that um, when Independence Day came out, Steven Spielberg told him, quote, what you guys have done with that film, everybody's going to imitate you. And I kind of feel like that, like a lot of people did. And if you look at a lot of blockbusters now, they kind of follow that Independence Day template where there's like massive destruction, Transformers, Armageddon, you know, every Marvel movie, essentially, like they kind of follow that uh, template, I guess, as far as action goes. Can I bring up one more fun fact, including Steven Spielberg? We already did that. We already did fun facts. I thought you guys were going to talk about it. 
You're a fucking asshole. <laughs> Did you guys hear or read that Jeff Goldblum in this movie, because he's also in Jurassic Park, says must go faster? He says it in both films, especially in 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 this movie when they're trying to leave. And I guess Spielberg was pissed off that they actually said this. Really? Really? Because yeah. wow. he says must go, go faster, faster and not only when they're escape, on right? the, the Jeep. Yeah. The T Rex chasing him for, but in this one, we're, we're, must go faster. And he says it, and then like, like Spielberg's like this pissed that they actually said this. So what? What, what did serious, he do? Yeah. What did he do? Because he worked with Goldblum like the next year to do I, a Lost just, World. I read it on three different websites. That's that he crazy. was pissed that they had the exact line from Jurassic Park in this movie. With I the s- same character. I saw them point that out, but I didn't know he was upset about it. Yeah. Super Why would you be mad about it? I don't, I don't that's, care. That's but the one mad. thing. Yeah. That's the one thing Steven Spielberg cares about from yeah. Jurassic Park. Yeah. Must go. He doesn't Must care about fast. the T Rex. I, I bet. I bet if the spaceships look like T Rexes, he wouldn't complain. <laughs> but must go faster is a no no. We can't. Do I read that it on shit. three different websites. Fuck. Yeah. That sucks. Welcome to Independence Day. Yeah. And then. Funny thing, uh, so you know how Will Smith uh, buys Jasmine that diamond ring, the, the dolphin ring. diamond ring. Yeah, yeah so it's a uh, you know it's a dolphin diamond ring, and sales I guess, went up on dolphin rings after this movie, by the way. Yeah, and not yeah. you know not jewelry made out of dolphins, but yeah. like with <laughs> dolphins in it. So yeah, so I guess people really wanted that. On a on another note, um, there was some censorship and controversy surrounding this movie internationally. Um, one of the things was that um, a lot of foreign countries or people in foreign countries felt like this movie was kind of like uh, United States propaganda. Stereotyping, right? Yeah, yeah. lots of stereotyping. Um, they felt it was like U.S. propaganda. You know, they felt it, it was very like uh, America centric based on like the overall narrative. And is. yeah, it's yeah. just kind of like yeah, they're it, not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it's just kind of like. You know, if you want to showcase this worldwide effort, why not make uh, the pilot from another country and then make this person from another yeah, country? And it's part of my trash too. Yeah, it's just like you know, you can't you can't say it's a worldwide effort and then like the last nine ten minutes of the movie is the only time we see people actually collaborating. And what do they say? The Americans have found a way to infiltrate their shields. Yeah, and, and it's just like really like yeah. wasn't a worldwide effort like. Yeah, no one else but. in the entire world thought of anything. Well, the guy from uh, Great Britain, he's just like, well, it's about damn time. And I'm just like, oh, because the whole world <laughs> is waiting for America to solve everybody's problems. Yeah. I was like, bullshit. I'm just like, we couldn't just have have it be like a true international effort, like well, Pacific like Rim. The last fight was just all Americans. It's just like, they didn't show what they did. It showed the aftermath. Yeah, they just said, hey, we did it. You guys, it you guys copy. It does show one of the ships going down like a Middle East or something like that. Yeah, Middle yeah, East. And kids, like, yeah. yeah, and it's like. It should have been more collaborative, I feel like. <laughs> Yeah, like I, world phenomenon going yeah. on. Like, and, and, you guys got it. And right. not 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 a knock to the rest of the world, but I mean, how do their armed forces compare to us? I mean, like, well, we have to send people over on carriers. Like, yeah, yeah, like. I mean, we have what the we we do have the largest military. Yeah. And then what after that is like Russia, then China, then Japan, and yeah. then like some other countries after that. But yeah, it didn't feel like a collaborative effort yeah. till the very end. It kind of defeats the speech a little bit. Yeah. 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 Oh, the speech was like a big problem too because it's just like, hey, we're just gonna toss our independence down, all you guys. But um, yeah, that's just one issue uh, that this movie had internationally. Um, this movie was also censored, 
in Lebanon. So they took out the scenes involving uh, images or practices of the Jewish faith, uh, as well as shots of uh, Israeli and Arab troops working together before the invasion. Right. Um, so the Islamic political party and militant group uh, Hezbollah made a statement saying that uh, it was, quote, Jewish propaganda, and they urged uh, Muslim moviegoers to boycott the movie. Um, but according to 20th Century Fox, uh, when they look at their international sales, um, that warning didn't really hurt box office revenue at all in Lebanon. They said about uh, 98,000 people went to go see this movie in Lebanon, and the movie grossed almost $600,000, which was pretty impressive out yeah. there for any movie. So, like, they, they still made their money internationally. Nice. So, um, I know one fun fact, because I was big on late night back then, is that this movie was such a huge hit that Letterman actually got every single actor to come on the show. So, not just like you know, Jeff Goldblum, Will Smith, they got like every single actor over like I think a three week period. For this like, movie. For this movie, they, they wow. said this, they were such a, they, they loved it so much, it's like, I'm, he said, once he got Will Smith on, he's like, you know, I'm gonna get every single actor that was in this film wow. that played a role to come to be a guest on our show. It was a big movie. Yeah, it was a big movie. Um, and then uh, let's talk about something not so, I mean, maybe, huh, we gotta end this on a downer. Um, so we got the sequel, like we talked about, you know, Independence Day Resurgence came out in 2016. And uh, I think the, the downer part of this is that we're probably going to have to review that in the future. Yeah, so. We're going to have to. have to. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to. Well, welcome to Earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're moving on to uh, experience. So, Dominic, what's your experience with this movie? I remember seeing it in theaters. I remember enjoying it a lot. I think I saw it with my mom and my brothers. But that's as, far, as much as I remember. But I remember loving the shit out of this movie. All right, uh, Bling, what's your experience with Independence Day? So I saw this film on July 3rd, and I actually saw it in San Jose. My, my dad had taken us out to uh, the base he was stationed at, and we were staying at the barracks. And so it was kind of cool, you know, actually seeing the film on July 3rd. I was 16 at a time. It was a great film. I think it's the beginning of the July, uh, 4th of July kind of blockbuster films that we started to see, and I think this kind of started it, where you know you look forward to the 4th of July, not for the fireworks or the celebration, but the next big movie. And yeah. I think this kind of started that that whole, for the next few the years. The Armageddons and all that. Yeah, yeah. The, or the, the, summer, the summer blockbuster, 4th of July blockbuster, or more specifically, the Will Smith blockbuster. So, um, oh but yeah, I, as a kid, I enjoyed it, got a kick out of it. Um, yeah, that was my experience with it. All right. Uh, for me, I did not see this movie in theaters. Um, I do remember renting this movie all the time. Yeah. Like when it came out on VHS, I, I rented the shit out of this movie. And then, um, you know, I've seen it a bunch of times since then. Uh, for this specific podcast, I believe I watched this movie about a week ago. Um, so I rented it on Amazon. I was actually surprised that I don't own this movie. I actually me thought too, I, I Me too. Me too. Me yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. I looked for it. I thought I. I mean, I thought I even owned the VHS and I couldn't find that either. I, I, I don't have a VCR anymore, but I don't know why I searched for it. But I, I do not own this movie, surprisingly. I think I paid like uh, $3.99 on Amazon or something like that. And then uh, watched it last week. We talked before we reviewed this and uh, I was like, oh, this movie's gonna be so long. It's like two hours and 20 minutes. And surprisingly, it goes by pretty quick. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah so uh, that's my experience. And uh, Jason Amuga. I know you guys got a shared experience with this, right? So I, I have to bring up that you guys, you saw it in theaters. I'm going to speak on behalf of Jason. I really don't remember the first time I watched this. Do you? Did you see it in theaters? I really, I just know I watched it a shit ton of times. No, I, I watched it in theaters. You did? Yeah. My sister and I went with my dad. So like 96, so I was 10. 
we won't watch this. I remember the whole ad campaign. I remember seeing you know everywhere about this movie, and really anticipating. It. I don't think we went opening weekend. Maybe it was like the weekend or two after it. But you know, I, I loved the movie as a kid. But yeah, I, I did see this in theaters. But nothing real, real memorable. I mean, I know I watched but it a I ton watched of it times, many times oh, after yeah. that. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we wanted to watch this again with our girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, do you want to start? I don't. I mean, I can start. Like, Have my girlfriend doesn't shut the fuck up during a movie, <laughs> they never, they never and I love it. her to death. But it's just like we were sitting there, and then at times I'm like, I literally pulled the Lindy. We're working right now. Can you get us? And she did not like. <laughs> were they interrupting you, or what was the? They were okay. Jason's girlfriend Elizabeth and my girlfriend Lindy were like talking. We got them some Trulies before, no White Claws or Bud Light Seltzers. Bad idea. And like, they would not let us watch the movie. Like, they would not. It was constant, just like talking, talking, talking. And we, we had to be hey, we're working right now. Can you guys shut the fuck up? You know, like, it was not working. Well, you know? And we're like sitting in this L kind of on his couch. And so it's Lindy, Maga, Elizabeth, and me. And so they're talking, Lindy's talking over Maga yeah. to Elizabeth. Yeah. And like kind of sitting up, so I'm like, I already feel like she, you probably can't even see the TV very well. Couldn't, couldn't. Like Mugga kept turning, he turned up the TV pretty good, and I'm like, dude, that's not helping because all they're doing is now talking at an 11. Because now <laughs> I, I can't even think, and I'm like trying to take, you know, I like to watch it again before we do this to do We're Trash trying and Treasure. trying to tri- take notes and yeah. shit. Yeah. Trash and Treasure, man, I love doing it that way. And so I got to pull up on my phone, I'm just kind of writing stuff down. But then it, it got so loud, and then the talking was so motherfucking loud that I couldn't think. And I like blinked, and the movie was over. And I was like, I, I, I heard some of it. I know we just watched it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I looked at Jason halfway through. I said, "You're gonna have to watch this tomorrow morning, aren't you?" He goes, "Yep," because <laughs> we couldn't, we couldn't get anything out of it. And it was just like, and then they're going in of like, "This movie's so fucking stupid," and it's just, just girls just critiquing it which like it was the worst experience of like a movie ever you could have like it was awful was it like, worse than Creed <laughs> oh yeah oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> worse than Creed worse than Creed worse than oh, Creed God. yeah cause like and then they would take a breath and then both of them just criticizing the fuck I was like and they're like, well, what's even going on? And I was like, well, funny thing. If you actually just watch the movie, you might know what's going on. Have they seen it prior? Or? No. no. No? Wow. Yeah. And that was the thing. It's like, you guys don't like this? And they just would just go on another tent. It's like you didn't ask questions because you don't want to answer because it would just go on forever. And it, we could never win. I, I, I was just like, well, this fucking sucks. <laughs> like, so it was a we, brutal experience. We kept saying yeah. like, Hey guys, we're working right now. <laughs> you some beer? They weren't having that either. Yeah. Like, that backfired. We had to go get the beers. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was the experience yesterday. All right, cool. Let's get into trash and treasure. Dominic, what is your trash and treasure with Independence Day? Uh, I just want to start off with uh, the Secretary of Defense. I just feel like he was trash throughout the whole movie. Uh, I forget the actor's name. Do you have his, his name? Uh, I don't have the actor. Is no, it the guy the from Unnecessary Roughness, the coach? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Him, yeah. I'm just like, he did the worst job ever. Like, if you think about it logically, like, you got 30 unidentified flying objects coming to, you know, certain cities around the world, and your first thing is to send, like, a helicopter with, like, some lights on it just to try to <laughs> communicate with it. Like, you want to... <laughs> Another thing was it's just like the the underwhelming reaction that they had with the UFO sightings. I just feel like they didn't respond correctly. 
just like, oh, wow, there's UFOs. I'm going to stay right here and not to cause any panic. I'm just like, dude, these things are 15 miles long and you're not going to do anything. Everyone else is already panicking and you're just like, you're already losing right off the gate. Well, I mean, in his defense, um, <laughs> Ooh. he'd never seen aliens before. I guess. Yeah. But, I mean, even then, he had prior knowledge to, like, Area 51 and all this other shit. Like, he didn't disclose this to the president. Like, as soon as they identified that these were not meteors, these were not anything, like, other than... Yeah, you, know, you think he would do that earlier. Yeah, you know what I mean? Waited a yeah. while. Yeah, so it's just... I just feel like he did a trash job throughout the whole thing. Next thing was uh, Vivica, Vivica Fox stripping. Like going to a day job after she, they just you know, saw these UFOs. It's like you just gave Will Smith shit for like going to do his job, but you're gonna go strip, like <laughs> <laughs> trying to you know you know defend the world against this. Like it's essential. <laughs> it's an essential job. Essential service. Yeah, I love that scene. I'm it, just saying, it, yeah. entertainment purposes. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I felt like that was trash. I'm just like you contradicting yourself wait you know what though you know what's worse is that she didn't go there to work she went there to pick up a check and decided to work that day did she she yeah. says it like i just came here to pick up a check i don't know why i decided to work yeah did they get checks i thought yeah. it was just cash like that mm. was a cash business no yeah. she said she came up to get she came to get her money and she decided i guess i'll work too i guess the, the logic is this all trash <laughs> but what happened to the family dog like the last thing you see of him is in the tunnel Boomer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I was like, you don't see him throughout the, the rest of the movie. Um, I felt like the virus explanation, the virus signal explanation that Jeff Goldblum's character gives was just half-ass. I feel like there's no way like our computer technology, after you just said that they're much more advanced, would just automatically be compatible with alien aircraft. Like, yeah. I don't I understand that, but I guess they were just trying to like uh, find some sort of solution to just... It's product placement too, man. Putting yeah, that cocaine <laughs> yeah. and cocaine. I didn't get that. Um, I feel like just pedestrians walking all willy nilly throughout all these top secret places was a little bit unrealistic. Like they're just privy to top intel. Like you have her, the president's daughter, just walking in on the aliens. It's like, oh, okay, cool. And then uh, what's that kid's name? Looks like Keanu Reeves. As a uh, Miguel, right? I, I dubbed him Chicano Reeves because I didn't know. <laughs> <it. laughs> <laughs> I Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't know his name. I was like, the, the oldest son. <laughs> I was like, that guy is just walking in about to fuck up the operation. And I was like, don't they have any security or something? But whatever. <laughs> this is just me thinking out of the box. Like, why did the aliens wait after their first preliminary attack on destroying the city? Just like, keep going, right? Yeah, right? It's like, you're invading someone. You're just like, all right, good job, guys. Take a rest day, catch a breather, and then like we'll hit him back in a couple of days. Like I don't get that. Like why didn't they use uh, like Jeff Goldblum's communication thingy? Right? Yeah. What if he could detect that? Oh, that was a massive charge. It's gonna take this long for them to recharge and shoot again. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, they're biting, they're waiting, and yeah. maybe maybe they could use his signal thing again and say like, okay, now he has the timer on the next attack. Like keep that theme maybe going. Yeah, yeah. It just made no sense. Like they went to like we were talking about this earlier. They went to like all these hot spots. They're not even like military bases or anything that would exactly hinder. You know, like the armies or anything they just went to like Empire State Building went to Pyramids of Giza um, some other areas throughout the world and just like Coachella yeah <laughs> let's blow these things up but um, I feel like the biggest thing that was bothering me the most was just how fast everything went as far as like you know shit went down on July 2nd and then everything was resolved on the 4th like you had major cities destroyed and then you came up with the answer in like a few days and like, it's like I feel like it would be more realistic if it was like 
over the span of like months. You know what I mean? That's just me. Or maybe it took a year or maybe six months. Six months and it ends on the fourth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It would be more realistic if all this stuff happened. Like, you know, Will Will Smith got training on how to fly the jet, um, the the alien craft, I used to say. But, uh, you know, Jeff Goldblum's character figuring out how to fucking penetrate their defenses and their shields. Like, all these things just happening over months of time. And then actually combining with all the rest of the world, not just, you know, the Americans trying to figure shit out. But that's my trash. My treasure was the practical effects. I feel like that was, like, the biggest thing. I feel like it created, like, the most iconic moments. Like, the White House blowing up, the Empire State blowing up. Next was uh, Will Smith, uh, Ali, and the alien just punching it. I feel like that's the most American thing you can do. <laughs> and then him complaining throughout the desert while he's carrying it, just like, I could have been at a barbecue. Like, got <laughs> <laughs> your dreadlocks on the back. Of the, you know, he's just pissed. I thought that was, like, another thing that stood up to me as a kid. I know I put Vivica A. Fox stripping in my trash, but <laughs> <laughs> it's also in my treasure. Like, <laughs> Because she was just, you know... Yeah, they didn't need that scene, but they yeah, gave she, it to know, us. I was like, all right, yeah. <laughs> um, I love Jeff Goldblum's character. I felt like Randy Quaid. Is it Quaid? Yeah, Randy Quaid, yeah. Yeah, his sacrifice, the character he made was good. And then the Independence Day speech, like, you had to put that in there. Because, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you have to. Ooh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I got goosebumps. That's my trash and treasure. All right. Bling, what is your trash and treasure? Uh, I'm going to go kind of back and forth uh, with the trash and treasure. So, treasure is... So I, I hadn't seen this movie in a while, and I decided to watch it yesterday uh, before this podcast. And I thought my thoughts were like, okay, this this CGI is going to be terrible. It's going to be very dated. And surprisingly, for the first like half hour or so, I was actually pleasantly surprised. Like this is actually aged pretty well as far as showing the mothership, the actual UFOs when they're coming to Earth. Um, just like the shadowing, you know, how it just kind of like blankets like the major cities going through the review and you know they use a lot of miniatures and real like shots so i can see why it aged so well now granted um there were a few scenes where i could tell like okay this is a green screen it's blatant it's a green screen but i mean for for 1996 i mean just some of the special effects for like even like when they go to the mothership looked amazing Mm -hmm. um Another treasure is uh, showing people's natural reactions to seeing this ship. You know, they're just stopping their cars in the middle of the intersection. People all of a sudden panicking like crazy, getting their shit and just getting out of town. Uh, Trash with that is like, if these 15-mile-wide ships show up over my city, I'm getting the fuck out of town. I'm not going onto a, on top of a building. By the way, how to... How are all these people able to get on the rooftop buildings of like metropolitan cities? I mean, yes, they show real life people reacting in a natural way, panicking, getting out of town, and then there's people just like, let's party. Yeah, yeah. I feel like their response was appropriate, like the pedestrians and all that stuff. But like yeah. the government, they're just like, yeah. I'm scared too. I'm like, okay. In the worst case scenario, they just they just decide to crush the entire city. I'm like, if there's something above me that looks heavy, I'm getting out of town. Yeah. Another uh, trash I, I have for this film is, and it, this is a novelty in all disaster films, I feel like all the action is happening behind them, the explosion is happening behind them. You're running away from, like Air Force One is flying away from the flame and, the, and the, the carnage. Same thing with the people. It's never happening in front of you. It's never happening to the side of you. You know, when Vivica is going into the tunnel I mean, even that whole scene looked terrible with the dog just jumping and the fire behind it. It was terrible. And then after the carnage, like, 
there should be a bunch of dead bodies and and like that's not really the case and even the post LA scene I mean it looks like this it, it looks like they're just in the middle of the desert I'm like dude there yeah. should be like buildings and it should be everything should be dark and it's like it looks like it's wide open spaces and I'm just like it just it looked really bad just the some of the scenes with involving like the military and the bases and, and the planes, it looked really bad. Um, the, the attack on the military bases with the, from the ships, it looked really bad because they're just shooting green shit and it feels like people are just running. I, I get yeah. it, they're not really there, so they just gotta just, people just got to run and they gotta blow up little things here and there kind of thing. Well, there's so. so much CGI in this movie too. It's like, it's gonna be hard to act when you don't know what these green balls look like. Like, what are you them? running yeah. from? And yeah. it just like, it, I feel like it would have been more carnage. Um, treasures, um, Pacing was great. I think we can all agree that there, I don't feel like there's a scene that's wasted. I, I think the film does a really good job as far as pacing. Um, that's really my big trash and trash. I, for a film that's you know that came out 20 years ago, I think it, it aged pretty well. All right, so my trash, my trash and treasure. I'm gonna start with the trash. There we go. Um, there we go. There we go. Yeah, usually, usually I end with the trash, but yeah. Yeah. there we go. So I don't like the uh, white flashes that appear randomly in the right. movie. Yeah. I like, I do not like those. Like, I'm about to get epilepsy and shit. You know, like most video games come with a warning before you press play. Like this movie should do the same every time there's a white flash. I Can hate I bring it. one thing up while you're doing that? If you go on YouTube and type in everything wrong, it's just like. Flash, submarine, flash, Washington might fly. <laughs> you're just like, oh yeah, it really does it, dude. Like exactly what you're saying. <laughs> I'm not feeling that at all. Um, I cannot understand, to Dominic's point earlier, how these government agencies, military, they're panicking like when these uh, 15 mile wide ships are showing up and then we got this mothership that's like one third the size of the moon. I'm sorry, but if an object is one third the size of the moon, a civilian could see it outside of our orbit like you can see mars and venus with your naked eye on a clear sky you know what i'm saying like you're telling me nobody saw this fucking thing coming up to the moon something that's one-third the size of the moon no tide shifts the additional gravity from the celestial body is affecting anything like nobody saw this shit the fact that they waited till these things got over cities is ridiculous because they're literally in like low earth orbit yeah turning and shit and i'm just kind of like what the fuck like everybody's waiting until they get inside the atmosphere like no no move now like you don't know where they're going obviously but there are places you can send people Clearly, so uh, that just pissed me off. Like any thing of like this com- comedians thing. He's like, oh, like white people have this thing. I was like, oh, let's go see what they want. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just like everybody's just fucking waiting, and I'm and I'm just. What are they? What I'm just friendly. I'm just pissed off. It's like that Geico commercial where it's just like, guys, look, there's a starting car. It's just like, why would you do that? Let's go hide in the chainsaws. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> like that's that's what that shit is like. Um, you know, speaking of uh, people being like not prepared and making dumbass decisions, like you talked about the. The Secretary of Defense, Dominic, the president's a fucking idiot. Like, yeah. he decides to not evacuate anybody, right? And then once they get on Air Force One, he's just like, damn it, we could have evacuated everybody if we just yeah. had a couple more hours. And then he goes on bitching about bureaucracy and red tape, and I'm just like, motherfucker, like, like people asked you in your yeah. cabinet, like, are we gonna evacuate people? He's just like, no, 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 that's just gonna cause I'm not more going panic. Anywhere. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, Wolf of Wall Street moment. Yeah, this is, this is just <laughs> I'm bullshit. I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> he waited so long to give his address, right? And then he said, People will stay home. We don't want people to panic. And, and they all fucking died. And then um, when they're trying to shoot the nuke above the cities, he's just like, I'm not going to sacrifice human lives. I don't want to nuke anybody. And then he gets in one argument with an alien and he's just like, nuke, nuke that bastards. son of a bitch. Yeah. I'm just like, this guy's a fucking idiot. 
This guy's a fucking idiot. Um, speaking of fucking idiots, we got Nimziki. That's his name, the uh, Secretary of Defense. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so he's bitching and moaning about Jeff Goldblum's plan, right? Mm-hmm. To take the ship up to the mothership or whatever. Why is that so ridiculous? Why is that plan so ridiculous? Yeah. You know, 36 hours ago, there were no aliens, and now there's aliens, and like 30 something major cities around the globe are gone, vanished. There's aliens in tubes right in front of you. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and this is ridiculous. Like, yeah. this one, like, you, you wanted to play fucking Light Bright with the fucking aliens in the sky and shit, <laughs> but this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I, I was pissed off about that. Like, that guy is fucking useless. So many people in this movie are fucking useless. I don't know. Um, you know, Will Smith saying, I will instead of I do at his wedding. Why? Like, is that because he's that because no? Like, he says it. He says, <laughs> yeah. So it's like uh, he says, "I will." He doesn't he says, say, I, "I do." He says, "I will." Is that foreshadowing for iRobot? I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, his, name is, his name is Will. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it was a pun. He understand the question. Yeah. Um, you know, like Bling said, some of the effects have not aged well. Like the compositing looks pretty mm, bad. Yeah. Especially, I think the the most times it looks bad is when you can tell it's a miniature because the miniature is not as detailed as like uh, some other buildings. Like less detailed miniatures look shittier in slow motion. And then also, anytime you have people on a blue screen running and the explosion in the background especially with the dog like you said yeah like it just it just looks awful i mean i appreciate the amount of work they did i think the alien ships look amazing like especially when they go inside the mothership all that other stuff that looks great but just more of the the ground effects you know people running against blue screen it, it just looks pretty bad and then i don't like the low frame rate slow motion you know i bitch about this in every movie we do like if there's low frame rate slow motion i'm not a fan you can tell huh yeah you can yeah. tell when they shot it for I, I, I can't really you know. I, I you can tell though, yeah right? you can you see did, the, yeah. you can see the frames drop mm-hmm. as opposed to something that shot at like the white house they shoot it at 300 and they play it at regular speed like what you would perceive as you real see life them. yeah yeah, yeah like it. you can tell when they shot something to be in slow-mo versus let's just make it slow-mo after yeah. the fact so i i don't appreciate that shit like what scenes would you, in particular would you say like the um there's some explosion scenes where buildings blow up oh yeah like when the buildings are blowing up and they're kind of yeah. and then there's like people's reactions or people running and you and it's just low frame rate slow motion and it's, it's not good um how does will smith know about area 51 because he gets with the rv guys and he's just like there's over it Oh, okay, that's how we do it. He says, oh, no, it's there, trust me. No, no, but how does he know that this is the alien place, though? He doesn't. He just said, hey, there's an air base out there. Got you. Trust me, it's there. They're like, it's not on the map, yeah. Okay, that's cool, then. That's cool. Um, And then um, in the aftermath of it all, I'm just kind of like, so how many people died from the ships crashing and not just blowing up the cities? Like, you don't think that some of the alien troops on board survived and are, like, running the Earth at the moment? Like, you don't have stragglers and shit like that? I I was just kind of like, what the fuck? Uh, I think my last thing is just kind of uh, the end credits. Don't they sound exactly like a Star Wars ripoff? The end credits. I don't think you ever analyzed that. You know when the you know when the opening titles play on Star Wars, and you get like the scroll and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it sounds like they're trying so hard to make the opening crawl music. Absolutely. Yeah, they have like almost the same instrumentals, the bells, all that other stuff. So. That's that's my trash, uh, my treasure. Uh, Vivica A. Fox, that's the treasure. Ooh, um, there you go. Yeah. You know, shout out to her owning the stripper occupation. When the first lady says, "Oh, you know, sorry," because she's not a ballet dancer, she's a stripper. Yeah. She's exotic. And then Vivica says, "You know, don't be sorry. I'm not." I was like, "Own that shit." 
Hell yeah, that's cool. Positivity. Good money. Yeah. Uh, Painted the, sex workers in a good light. All right. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> cast is great. You know, everybody makes an impact and kind of stands out without overtaking the movie. It is kind of thin, this movie. Like, um, there are certain cast members that I feel don't need to be there or certain storylines that don't need to be there, like the son being sick. What happens mm. with that? The fact that you're talking about that, I, was like, I had to like look back. That they like had a sister? That, that, yeah. They had yeah. a sister and that didn't go anywhere? Like Who's on Mrs. Doubtfire, by the way. Yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah. it should have just been maybe the one son, yeah. maybe. But, um, you know, we kind of talk about, like, maybe have things recur so they mean more, like the looking up the code for the virus, you know, uh, Will Smith getting training. Like you said, Dominic, don't make it take place over a three-day period. Make it take place over, like, a couple months or a couple weeks at least. Um, so I feel like uh, a lot of the stuff is really thin. Like, I, as a kid, I could have swore the first lady died after they won, but when I watched it again, I was like, wait, there's not another scene with her? When she hugs her husband, I thought she was gonna last until the end of the fight and they go back and see uh. her. And like a lot of things kind of just end abruptly. But I look at it this way, you're dealing with so many moving pieces and intersecting storylines. I gotta give them props for doing it as well as they did, even though it's kind of thin here and there. I like the uh, walk and talk where Jeff Goldblum's riding his bike through the office, goes to the recycle can, goes yeah. to his office, and it was all done in one take. I appreciate that. Russell drinking and flying. I, I mean, I know it's dangerous, but I'm kind of impressed. Um, <laughs> I laughed at that moment. He was like waving frantically. Yeah. Um, you know, like Dominic said, welcome to Earth. I appreciate that. Um, one of my favorite shots in the movie is Will Smith walking outside um, with the trash or whatever, I guess. And was it the trash or his luggage? No, he's just he's going to the paper. Oh, just getting the paper. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have the camera shift focus to the people panicking and he looks to the left and the right. And you like that? I like that shot because oh, wow. because you have one person who's just so aloof and unaware of what's, what's happening. What's actually happening. And then he, he like it's him and he's just like, oh, you know, yawning or whatever. Then the camera shifts focus and every neighbor to his left is like packing their shit. Yeah, it's Armageddon. And then yeah. every neighbor on his right is packing their shit. Didn't this come out first though? What? This. No, 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 I'm saying it's Armageddon at the time. Oh, I was like, like okay, yeah, my bad. Yeah. I was like, I was like, Armageddon has a shot like no, that. No, no, I was like, oh no, shit. No, 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 no. Um, it's, not, it's not the same universe. <laughs> yeah, but um, I mean, uh, the cinematography in this movie is great in places, especially with the RVs coming towards Will Smith. That was a really, really great shot. Yeah, I love the HAL 9000 reference. You know, 2001 Space Odyssey. So that was mm. cool. And then uh, my last treasure. I like Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum together. It's a shame they didn't spend more time together in this movie. I wish this movie was about them too a lot yeah. more. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. But uh, that's that's all my trash and treasure. Uh, Jason, what's your trash and treasure? So you guys covered a lot of stuff that I had too. I have a lot more treasure than I have trash. So I'll start Ooh. with my trash. The pilot that flies the plane into the fire. So the ships are coming down. You see all the fire, and there's a pilot, and they're getting really close to the ship to kind of figure out what it is. And they're going through like clouds and and smoke and stuff, but. It takes them, and it like this is a plane that has a huge satellite-looking thing on the top of it. It takes them until they are inside the fire, about to hit the ship, for them to realize, oh shit, maybe you shouldn't have done this. <laughs> and it's like, you see this? I'm sure there's all kinds of equipment that's seen this about 20, 30 minutes ago. Yeah, <laughs> seconds. Like I don't they, know. They got satellites that pick up all this shit from the moon and all that. Yeah, I, it's oh. Something. Um, the CGI. Uh, so, Kareem, you're just talking about this when Will Smith looks up. Um, I don't mind that as much, but the CGI of the ship, it just it doesn't age well. 
Uh, and then Vivica A. Fox, Mug and I were talking about this last night. Vivica A. Fox, when she walks out, she doesn't see it either. How do you not see it? You walked yeah. out your front door. I don't know. I look like I look straight <laughs> out every time without fail. I'm yeah. telling you, without fail, when I walk out my front door, I'm looking straight ahead. And how their house is set up, it's like overlooking something. And it's like, it's it's eye level. It's 15 miles long, man. Yeah. Yeah. Neither of them. Yeah. Nikki yeah. saw it. Yeah. Nikki was like shooting and stuff. Like he saw it. Dude, with their peripherals, <laughs> wouldn't you see your neighbors panicking before you get to the yes. curb? Yes. Like you, you would have to see all this before you get to the curb. Because isn't like Will Smith damn near blind? Because isn't he like kick like Nikki's little big wheel thing? And yeah, then like, the front, yeah. The front, yeah. Lawn, front lawn. I don't know how he found the newspaper, but then like he doesn't <laughs> see anything. Uh, that was weird to me. <laughs> when the Los Angeles uh, officials were asking people, please don't shoot at the spaceships. <laughs> That was funny. That, that was, was treasure, right? No, this is treasure. I just thought it was dumb. Oh, that's man. treasure. Please don't <laughs> shoot. I'm like, really? You, you might this? accidentally start a galactic war. <laughs> I didn't like that line where he's like, they didn't fly 90 billion light years to come. Like, they flew here for a reason. Oh, and yeah. Like, they don't send 30 of them just to fucking talk. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. But I just, I mean, it was kind of funny, but I'm like, really? Are we really saying this? Like, Jesus. <laughs> The ring with the dolphins, I didn't like that. It's kind of cheesy. So 90s. Steeler. Uh, <laughs> when they're Air 51, one of the doors comes up and it shows, I think it shows Air Force One. And it looks, we were talking about this too last night, so I'm probably still a lot of your shit. But it looks so freaking yes. fake. It looks awful. I don't remember seeing this the first time I watched it. So watching it again, I'm just like, holy fuck, that looks so bad. Um, Bob Ross could have painted something better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so bad. It, it is the worst CG I've ever seen in my Today life. Today we're going to paint some everything. <laughs> and I'll have my trash there just so I'm probably going to steal a lot of muggets. So I'll let him have some. Uh, I'll go to my treasure. So I like the opening credits. I think the way they shoot it, I thought that was the way they it comes on the screen. I thought it was interesting, especially for his time. I think Bill Pullman did a great job. Jeff Goldblum. I mean, a lot of it's just the actors. I mean, Randy Quaid, I mean... That's probably how he really is. He's kind of nutty in real life, so it's cool. So <laughs> um, be yourself. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't give him no reference points. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, just do you, buddy. No, he wasn't even hired. He just, he just walked on set. He just, just, wasn't being the movie. Just, just do you. Yeah. Um, I think the score was good. I wish I would have done some more research before I watched it about the score, just because I don't remember hearing this choir, but I thought the score itself was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Even as a kid, the way that the ships enter the atmosphere... I like how that looks uh, with all the clouds around it and then the, like the flames and all this stuff. I, I think it's probably kind of semi-accurate. Like it would probably yeah, I don't be a know pretty... The science behind that is actually, will actually look like that. Yeah, I don't know what it would look like, but I, I do enjoy how it looks yeah. coming in. Um, kind of makes sense with the sky on fire, like working title. Yeah. I was like, yeah. okay, oh, that okay. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. The shots of DC were cool. I think Will Smith, I just, you know, coming out of Fresh Prince and he's still pretty young. I'm like, man, he... He does. I think he owns the role. I think he does pretty good. Mm-hmm. I, I love seeing Nikki in there from Fresh Prince. Um, Chorus of K Fox. Can't look that over. Um, <laughs> the yeah. laptops made me laugh. I'm just like, fuck, man, we've come a long way. Yeah. Man. Looking at this shit, and they're like, man, it's the high tech thing. And like you guys are saying, interacting with it, it's kind of comical to me. So I thought it was funny. So when Will Smith says he wants to whoop ET's ass, I laughed. I yeah. laugh every time. Uh, the Grand Canyon flight scene. I, I liked that. I thought they shot yeah. that pretty well. That's good. Yeah. I mean, for its time. Yeah. I mean, again, you can pick it apart. Uh, the welcome to Earth part, of course, we all love that. Will walking I with the alien, like through that, that area in Utah. I don't know why, but they make him look so small. And the shot, it just, it's really cool. I, I like that part. 
And then Data from Star Trek. I love him being there. I think it's, like I said earlier, it's just cool to see him outside of that role. I think this is the first role I've seen him not as Data. So mm-hmm. um, I think this is part of experience, but we were watching it last night, and when they're cutting open the alien's head, mm-hmm. I think Lindy screamed really loud. She <laughs> freaked her out. Because <laughs> it does happen. We jumped. Like we jumped. Yeah. 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 I thought the alien's voice was kind of cool. Sometimes I don't like it, but last peace. time we were watching it, I no peace. I did like it last night. <laughs> when Will Smith tells that pilot, he's like, when he's trying to steal the helicopter, he's like, oh, just tell him I hit you. <laughs> That's a good scene. That's a good scene. It just looks so like This guy's like freaking huge, and he's just yeah. like, what the fuck? <laughs> It's like no one's gonna believe this. Um, the speech, of course, is amazing, uh, and I like how they show Bill Pullman flying a jet because they—that's yeah, like his yeah. backstory is being a pilot. I, mm. I liked how they did that. I saw online that, that it wouldn't be plausible, like him fighting in the Gulf War and then being elected to Senate and then being president by what ninety six. It's too quick. It's too, it's too yeah. Quick. You can't. Plus, yeah. being a head of state, there's no way in hell they would allow him to fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's desperate times. Yeah. 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 This is cool to see, yeah. president. And then how actually, do you tell him no too? Like if he's the president, and he wants to fly this yeah, jet. He didn't he has hide a background in, in doing it. I don't know. He didn't hide in a bunker. He just went out there. And, oh, but you can't do it because like all the the, the president, uh, the vice president, the joint chief, they're all dead. You can't. Who's gonna be next in line? You can't as a head of state. You can't all of a sudden go on the front lines. It's trying times, man. Nikki, he's a man of the people, man. He's a man of the people. <laughs> His daughter's like all of a sudden. Okay, you're in charge now. <laughs> And then just my last treasure, and I'll get, I'll pass it off to Muggs, is just uh, all the jets at the end. Like, I don't know. I know it's all CGI. And to be honest, I hadn't watched this in so long that I don't remember it being like all CGI. And that probably sounds really naive. Yeah. But watching it again, I'm like, you can totally tell. But I just still think the shot's really cool because there's just so many jets in the sky and the way they shoot it. I thought that was neat. But that's my trash and treasure. Mugga, what is your trash and treasure? All right. So I'm going to start with my trash. Am I crazy? We went to the moon in the 60s, right? So this is 96. How come we can't at all notice that something's passing the moon prior to 90s? I, I, like, oh, it's <laughs> passing the moon. Oh, how do you know? It's slowing down. You didn't see this before? Like, I don't get that at all. Kerwin, Jason, you guys went to DC with me. You know the layout. Look at the lighting. It's wrong on how they do the lighting over DC. They do it, if they want to go correctly, where, hey, it's coming over the the Washington Monument, the White House, as well as the Capitol Building. They have it completely wrong, though, of Lincoln Memorial. It should be the reverse way of way it's going. Look at it. Wait, you know so the, the White House is facing the wrong direction? No, the White House, the Capitol Building, and the uh, Washington Monument are fully correct because it's actually coming from like the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean. The way they do the Lincoln Memorial is the exact opposite. I point out to Jason and we argue about it. I think he's on my side, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I just had to do that. I, I hate how Will Smith and Vivica A. Fox see the actual spaceship. You guys like it? I don't like okay, it. Okay, no, 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 no. I didn't say I like that. Okay. I said I like the shot where... No, his, it is a great shot. His, no, 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 yeah. not when they look at the spaceship. Just the shot where it focuses yeah. to his neighbors side to side. That's the part I like. Okay. Yeah. You don't like um, how they didn't realize that there was a ship. It, in I, how do you not see it, dude? I mean, yeah. I, I look outside and I'm like, hey, it's cloudy today. That you don't see that there's a 15 mile spaceship yeah. like right there in front of your like view. You know, yeah. um, the dolphin ring is trash. The dolphin ring is trash. Yeah. Like how anyone would say yes to that is beyond me. Okay, so I'm a Top Gun fan. Mm-hmm. They do a good job as far as CGI with the actual fighter jets, but the scenes, like interacting, it just, it's like slow. Do you guys ever notice that? It's not like an actual like Top Gun fight scene or what, I, I, I don't know, I just, 
I really couldn't get on board with that. Going back to Vivica Fox, I'm not complaining, but like, why does she have to be a stripper? Like, I, she's gorgeous, and I'm not complaining yeah. now about that, but it's just like, couldn't she be something else? And just because it really has no relevance to the story, right? Am I wrong on that? Yeah, I mean, no, you're right. Isn't the subplot like he's trying to be in NASA? Like, uh, so it's like, it's who, and it's just like, but like, it, it never negates him from getting into NASA or never, it's just like, it's just like, well, why is it even there? Like, she could be anything else, just them in love about, hey, like, we are the, I, I don't it, know. It, I just, it, it, true. You, yeah. you could argue, like, it wouldn't have made sense if she was like a, like a medical worker. So that's the reason yeah. why she had to stay and, like, you there know, you has relevance. You know, like, 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 hey, I, I do like, my why, thing. Like, I'm not complaining. I love the scene. Yeah. <laughs> just saying, I'm not complaining. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it's a subplot that they didn't is, need to be. I, like, yeah. So, I hate that the people are on the, the skyscrapers in, in, in LA specifically. Like, I can't get up there. Now, you get up there when there's a crisis going on. I thought about that, but I was like, there are loonies that are like, yeah. even aliens, and they're trying to party right. and shit like so that. I'm, so, I'm a math guy. Yeah. Kerwin's favorite character, the, the Secretary of Defense, right? Says, <laughs> you have 30 seconds to get out. I guess if you like time it when they actually throw the bomb in, it's over a minute long. It's like, so the 30 seconds is bullshit, you know? Yeah. But that's, that's, that's my trash. It's just a little nitpicking thing because I do have a lot of treasures. I love the R.E.M. song at the beginning. I think it's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to get into the storyline. I, I really think, like, they start off with the president's character. Mm-hmm. And, like, you have no idea he's the president. He's talking to his wife. I have a, a lady in my bed. And then all of a sudden he goes out and, like, you realize, oh, he's at the White House. I think they did a great job of character development in this movie. And then they tie in all these stories together at the very, very, very end. I, I, I thought they did a great job. They had to create a species, you know, of aliens. The CGI for, like, their jets, their spaceships, the mothership. I really respect it. I think that if you take away the CGI for the jets, which I don't like, Mm -hmm. they did a great job creating this whole other race. And you guys have gone over everything else that I want to, like, I mean, the, the, the miniatures and all that stuff. Kerwin, you brought up Jeff Goldblum should have been more with Will Smith. And I'm like, yeah, he should have. To me, this guy interacts with every almost main character of this movie so great like his father his ex-wife you know now will smith i just think that he was just so amazing in this movie and and then the speech man the speech yeah. i want to end on this one note though okay i want to end this one note of my treasures here it is i've been on record saying i hate will smith and I, okay. <laughs> I really think that will smith the I'm, actor I, you mentioned I think, that, yeah. I, I think i was blinded something yeah he does really good in this movie. And I'll give him the pursuit of happiness. I may have to go watch more Will Smith movies because he, he does good, man. He, he really does good. And I'm, I don't know what it was. I, was, I don't know what I, I, I hated him back then. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think he's, he's a definitely a, not only like a great actor, but like a movie star. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to like put that in my treasure. Like, and I was telling you this last night. You know, yeah. like, hey, you know what? Maybe this is why we do this podcast. Because like this is that. He's that good of an actor. And mm-hmm. Will Smith is good. I'm not. I'm not going to back down anymore. All right. I was going to wear my. I was going to wear my Will Smith shirt that Jason bought me, but I don't. I don't fit it right now because of COVID nineteen. So I couldn't do it, dude. You know, like quarantine fifteen. Yeah, quarantine. So, but yeah, that's my trash and treasure. Yeah. Oh yeah, like you said, Dominic. Like the whole I want to be an astronaut subplot. Yeah. Is brought up like once or once and a half. That's why they need the stripper thing. Yeah. I I feel like when I say like everything's kind of thin, it's just like you didn't need the NASA subplot. You didn't need the kid being sick. Like it would have been cool to explore that stuff or spend a little more time on it. But the movie took place over months instead of like days. It maybe it would have mattered, but yeah. We don't know how much it costs to go to space, but we can find out how much we would pay to watch this movie. You've been waiting all the fucking <laughs> podcasts to say that. I think. 
Oh, I just thought of it right now. But. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. That's pretty good. I, I just yeah. need like a segue. I thought you had that there. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's find out how much we would pay to watch this movie. Dominic, you're up first. How much are you paying to watch Independence Day? I'm going to go 15. Uh, I feel like there are plot holes, as I said in my trash, but at the end of the day, I still enjoyed this movie thoroughly. Uh, Bling, how much are you paying? I think I'm going to go 15 as well. There are a lot better Will Smith films that deal with aliens. Like if you talk, like if you do, or sci-fi in general, like if you could do Men in Men Black. Men in Black, yeah. But I think that this is, it's just, it's just a feel-good movie. It's a fun adventure. Not it's to a, Jason and his girlfriends. They hated it. But, <laughs> and just the significance of this film, how it started like, what I think is like the summer July 4th blockbuster movie. No, you're right. You're um, right. I think it, it does well. Um, I don't owe them films, so I can't give it a 20, so I'll have to settle for 15. Oh, the four pillars? <laughs> we need to make a poster of it or a shirt or something. Yeah, we got to we gotta make yeah. like a little infographic or something. Yeah. Um, uh, this is tough, man, because like we just we just did a couple movies where we talk a lot about nostalgia, like Mortal Kombat, Bloodsport. I want to give this movie a 15 so fucking bad. I love the shit out of this movie when I was a kid. And like the effects or whatever, like the story can be like a little thin at sometimes with the okay. characters. But like, I think uh, just like Face Off, I'm gonna have to succumb to my feelings and I'm gonna give this movie a 15. Wow. wow. Yeah, I, I, this is one of the movies that I cannot let go of emotionally. Like how you guys feel about Top Gun, how you guys feel about a lot yeah. of the other movies. Like that's how I feel about Independence Day. Like. I really wanted to give it a 10, but like, you know, deep down, I'm just like, no, I have to give this a 15. Wow. Yeah. All right, Jason, you're up next. How much are you paying? So I was struggling the same way you were. I mean, we talk about the nostalgia part all the time. Again, just recently, just last night, rewatching this, I do like the movie, but I think I got to be honest with myself. I think I ha- I have to go 10. Okay. okay. I got to go that's 10. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. I think... Um, we're going to do that retrospective where we go back over past episodes and maybe we ranked or paid more or less for other, for movies and we now, you know, thinking about it, would choose differently. But I'm looking at this and I'm trying to take the nostalgia out. I'm trying to really look at it, doing some of the research. There's some cool parts, but I'll be honest, man, like I haven't watched this movie in a while and I didn't realize how many things are just miniatures or how much is CGI and it kind of takes away from it a little bit for me. Um, the acting, there's some cool shots. I mean, the experience last night, uh, doesn't <laughs> help, but, uh, I think, I think I, I'm going to, I'm going to go 10 on this one. Okay. And that's cool. fair. Yeah. Ten's yeah. not a bad score. Yeah. And Mugga, uh, how much are you paying? So I presented this question to Jason and I said, I'm between 10 and 15. Like I, I can't go lower than 10. I can't go higher than 15. And we watched last night, which did not help because our girlfriends did not let it happen, you know? Like, But I'm looking at Will Smith's acting now, and maybe I just was naive. I don't know. Something's there and other stuff. And it's just like, other than the CGI, I really think this movie aged well. And I want to... I was going to give it a high 10, but no, I'm going... Because I think everyone can enjoy this movie, especially if you're born 1990. I'm going to give it a 15. I'm going to get a 15. Yeah, I, I just, I think this is a, a great movie that everyone can enjoy other than mine and Jason's <laughs> girlfriend because they didn't hate it, you know? So, uh, and they don't know shit about movies, so whatever. Yeah. Now Elizabeth does, but like, Lindy, like, I'm like, how do you not like this? I just, they didn't give it a fair chance, but uh, I, I think this is a movie that you put on and I honestly went back today and I thought about it. My family, grandmother at my 
she lives in San Diego. Well, she did. She's now dead, but lived in San Diego. We watched this all together, like gener- like three generations, and we all watch it together. And I'm kind of like, that's what it's about. That's movie magic right there. You know, and it's just, I have to give it a 15. I, Bling, I'm going to agree with your four pillars. I don't own it, so I can't give it a 20. Yeah. You know? But uh, <laughs> it, it's a great movie. It, it's really well done. And it's, I think it's aged well. I mean, am, yeah. I, am I safe to say that? I no, mean, no, you, you, it's, it's, it's aged yeah. well, you know, and I'm going to give it a 15. Yeah. So, Mugga, how much are we paying to watch this movie? So, with everyone giving what it was and Jason giving it a 10, we go to $14, which is a great rating. Yeah. You know what other movie got 14? What? Oblivion. (laughs) Now, if I wouldn't have watched this last night, let's say I didn't have that experience, (laughs) I probably would be sitting at a 15 right now, too. So, I don't know. So, our girlfriends ruined the movie? (laughs) We go back and do the retrospective of this season, I might be like, you know what? I would have paid 15, so I don't know. Stay tuned, but yeah, I'm going to say 10. I'm going to stick by it. You know, before before I pressed play, I was like, oh, 20. But then like when I look at the visual effects and some of the like the plot holes or things that aren't addressed, I'm just kind of like, I, I, I couldn't give it a 20 right off the bat because it nah. did not age well in a lot of respects. But like for every bad like CGI shot or whatever, like the production value in some areas is just so fucking good. Like yeah. if if yeah. so only, that, that age well yeah, yeah. if yeah. only this movie came out like e- either two years earlier or two years later like the effects wouldn't look so bad because like we said earlier like this movie was yeah. right on the cusp of like visual effects taking that next leap and if they just came out two years later like they would have had like the style and like the hard well look what Star Wars did in ninety nine yeah, yeah. Like, exactly Star Wars in ninety nine the Matrix in ninety nine like. You know, Lord of the Rings was what, 2001, 2000? 2001. 2001, like just a couple years later, they would have had what they needed. So, I don't know, wait wait, wait 30 years, they'll probably reboot it. (laughs) Well, I don't know. You cannot reboot Bill Pullman's. The speech. There's no way, dude. Yeah, I don't think he's he do Hollywood finds in, in, in the sequel. I we haven't seen it. No, I, 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 I haven't seen it. I say we all watch it together. Yeah, yeah. We need I, to. Well, Lindy and Elizabeth can't. No, they are not allowed. No, Lindy's not allowed to watch any movies with me because she does not watch movies. <laughs> she just complains. Here's, just, here's what you do. I love her to death, but we, she's we, like, we put her on an episode and then she has to watch it. All right. All yeah, right. We'll, we'll do that. She's, she's gotta come back. Yeah. She's gotta come back. She's gotta work. Um, somebody, you know, who's not coming back, but I wish was in the movie. There it is. Is Tom Cruise. So uh, if Tom Cruise was in Independence Day, who would he be? Secretary of Defense. You can't take Will Smith out. Nah. You can't take uh, Jeff Goldblum's out. You can't not take Bill Pullman out. I, I think they all... Wait, what, what about uh, um, Will Smith's, like, Co-pilot partner. Co-pilot, yeah. But he oh, that dumbass motherfucker. He yeah. He he's just like, so? He's like, hold on, I'm going to try something. And then he takes his mask off and pulls up and I'm like, yeah. what What are you doing? Tom Cruise is in it. That shit doesn't happen. Yeah, Tom Cruise <laughs> is in it. He destroys the ship all by himself. Yeah, he survives yeah. it. Tom Single-handedly Cruise takes Smith down. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> we can't do that. No, uh, Tom Cruise could be the little alien coming out of the big alien. <laughs> Right. Tom, Tom Cruise is the alien. <laughs> Tom Cruise is the little alien. Hey, it's, a, it's a Scientology kind of plug. <laughs> oh, it's Xenu coming back to Earth. Oh, he could be Randy Quaid's character. He yeah, could have been could. him. He could have been him. Just a disgruntled drunk. I think he should play, like I said, it's kind of like a minor role. So he could be like maybe one of the scientists that gets like in the beginning, of the opening where he, he has a call. The guy calls his boss and like, hey. He flies, gotta, too many, he, he flies too many things to be a scientist. He has to be. Like I mean, just something out of his role. He can't be another pilot because I mean, it takes away like, oh, he was in Top Gun. Like, he can't be the co-pilot. So I think like, like a small role. It could be the Jeff Goldblum's boss. 
you know, something where just like a. But like, then he'd work. Oh, like he a, could be him. He like just been just him. a cameo role. Uh-huh. I, I want to see leading man. No, that's a good one. That's a good leading one. That's a good man. One. Tom Cruise play some kind of insignificant role, or just maybe like the cop that stops in the middle of the intersection and looks up at the <laughs> <laughs> and he gets his car pl- plowed into so, something small. Mm-hmm. I like that disrespect though. Little alien. Hello. Like he could just be that. Just hear him say, "Die, release me." Yeah, what if What if he plays the alien? <laughs> release. What if you go to the mothership and it's not even an alien? You just, <laughs> just, just okay, guys. We didn't even talk about how like Oblivion Oblivion stole the ending of yeah, this movie. Oblivion. Oh yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Fuck you, Sally. This is literally like, even <laughs> even when they even when they like run out like the little like door closing is in like the shape of the tet and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Like oh my god yeah I'm surprised there was no fuck you Sally yeah yeah but all right uh, so uh, anybody got anything else they want to say Detroit Pistons are still bitches Jesus Christ <laughs> that's for all our uh, last dance listeners all right cool so uh, in the words of uh, Tom Cruise welcome to the Earth, Earth. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of twenty dollar ticket. Follow us on Instagram at $20Ticket and leave your ticket price about the movies we've reviewed. If you have any comments or suggestions, send them to $20Ticket at gmail.com. That's 2-0, the numbers, $20Ticket at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts and thank you for listening.